Hi guys, welcome back to Protein Bros Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today we have a really great episode in store for you. It's with Dylan Shoning, also known as Crown City Trainer. Dylan has over 14 years of industry experience. He has started personal training departments from the ground up at gyms. He's got experience with private gyms as well as corporate gyms. Um, he's a wealth of knowledge uh, and someone who has an intense perspective on a lot of things. And so I really appreciate it if you tuned in and let us know what you think about in the comments. As always, if you enjoy what you're listening to, please let us know in the comments. But anyway, I used to go on his radio show and he'd um, have grown people call in and ask me Star Wars questions because I was a Star Wars nut to give away tickets to the movies. Yeah. This reminds me of that. So you, it's been a while, but I'm familiar with this. Nice. Speaking of, uh, you don't have to eat it now. All right. Now, speaking of Star Wars, did you get a ticket uh, to that amazing Disney park? You know what I'm talking about? No, the galaxy. There's a new like spaceship you can, and it's like five grand apparently. If we're talking about this, no. Mostly because my kids are too young, but in reality, uh, I haven't heard good things. Oh, really? I didn't didn't know. Are you going? I don't know the feedback. No, I'm not a Star Wars nut, but I do have a friend that that is, and they move their reservation around to where like they do get to go to it before it's like done for. Uh, but I didn't know it was a disappointment. I have not been, so that's just speaking off of what some news article said. It could have just been sure. one person responding to a tweet. Yeah, that's it'd enough been nice to, to get on the TripAdvisor probably. There'd probably be some great feedback, at least negative or positive on there. Either way, when my kids are of age, which to me would be like above five, sure, we're going to be Disney World frequents. Like, I am so excited to take my daughter to see like, me like Indiana Jones and every princess that exists. Sure. Dude, I, I, me too. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as you have kids, you're like, <laughs> fuck, dude, I want to go to Disneyland. <laughs> yeah. You go to Disney World. And like, I've never had that like feeling in my life where I'm like, man, I can't wait to go to Disney World. No. And then you have kids, you're like, dude, this is going to be awesome. So this is a really good question. I'm going to be like wearing fucking Mickey Mouse ears around and shit. <laughs> yeah. Everything, everything. So I, I might dress up. I mean, dude, uh, I guess that is the joy because we're all at that age. Um, you know, I have a three and a half year old that I look after mm-hmm. as well. And so we're like, okay, we're having the conversation now is what is the appropriate age? You said above five. Kyle, you've got three. Bro, I'm waiting. What's until, the, t- what's I'm the waiting number? Until Sully can like uh, enjoy it. Waiting for Sully to have a memory of it. Yeah. Before, but is that the youngest or the oldest? Youngest. But to yep. be fair with, let's say he's, let, what's that number to you? Three. Three. Oh, wow. Okay. okay that's pretty. So he's not going to have any memories of that. What are you talking about? Yeah, you so, will. What's your favorite memory from when you were three, Kyle? I broke my arm when I was two and a half. Well, see, you remember stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have any? You that's your it? favorite memory? It was it was the first memory where I was like, first memory. Holy shit, that was really painful. <laughs> I just remember I slept through the night. My my dad made me go to sleep. Yeah, you sleep it off. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> I had an actual broken arm, and I remember crying the entire night. Do you? Uh, so we've talked about this before. Like, I I I'm known to have a crazy memory. Compared to other people. Yeah, I don't have, I, I, I I just don't care about things. They will leave my, my brain so fast. And Jeff will be like, dude, you know, he he can recall just the most random stuff. But, uh, but you're in a, so like my first memory, I think that I can really like recall vividly, right. Where it's like, not just a glimpse, but like how the day went, uh, was my fourth birthday Mm -hmm. waking up on my fourth birthday. I remember like vividly, but like, you're saying that you remember the arm breaking. Do you remember the pain? Yeah, I was running around a table, and I remember the pain. Yep, that's crazy. So, I was, yeah, so we're trying to figure out the perfect age to bring what's, Addy. On, what's to, the next memory you remember yeah, after breaking your arm? That's a good one. I remember falling in my pool when okay. I was like three. Um, <laughs> all shitty, all <laughs> shitty memories. Sorry, sorry. Well, I, was, I was pulling my tugboat around the pool, and uh, my mom specifically said, "Don't do that before church." I was wearing church clothes, and I fell in the pool. And my dad grabbed me, pulled me, pulled me out of the uh, pool wearing all my church clothes, and my dad was pissed. Yeah. So yeah, it might it might have something to do with like 
Traumatic trauma, traumatic like, so I just used to forget everything. Yeah, unresolved <laughs> trauma. But also, I mean, what are your opinions on this? Because it's like by then my oldest will be seven and a half. And so it's like, I don't know when the perfect time is to go, but I, I haven't looked into the cost, but I'm guessing it's a, an expensive endeavor to go. Truly. Um, so yeah. I don't know how much, uh, I don't know how many times we'll go. I, I don't know. Maybe we go multiple times. I don't know how much it costs. I, I went at five and I went at eight. So I can tell you like. I thought you were about to say you went five times. I'm like, you little spoiled shit. I probably no. went 10. You went 10? Yeah. yeah. Holy was, shit. My, my, once again, my dad was a radio DJ. Yeah. yeah. So we would get. Lots of contests. Lots or? of like free tickets because they would give away like a free trip to Disneyland. And he worked all over the country. That's awesome. Uh-huh. And there would always be like a. Uh, a chaperone ticket mm-hmm. and stay. So we'd get these $10,000 t- trips to Disney world or Disneyland probably once a year. That's awesome. So yeah, I was a spoiled little Brad yeah. just based off oh, of that. Tons of fond memories so though, that you get to, right. yeah. It was just me and him, you know, I mean, because, truly Disney is a magical place. Like we had, we can't deny that. Like it's incredible. I mean, they, the, the company does an amazing job at um, creating these unbelievable experiences that stick with people for the rest of their lives. And then they get to recreate it with their kids, which is awesome. Right. And so that's what we're, getting into right now but the point we were talking about is like <laughs> the age at which you will remember it and it'll be a cherished memory i don't know if i would at three all i remember from my five-year-old trip that like really was vivid for me was that i was waiting in line to get autographs so i had like a little autograph book that my parents bought me to like go around and see all the characters and have them sign shit and the one that i didn't like i couldn't believe that i actually cared enough about was uh captain hook Oh, yeah. No, no, no. no, I feel that. Uh, That Captain Hook's a must. I'm in line to get an autograph from Captain Hook. And uh, one of that's the, uh, also Prime Hook, the movie, yeah, is out. at that era, yeah, that's, absolutely. Robin Williams, a classic movie, killing it. Rufio, all time yeah, fave. Rufio. And so I go up, and I'm like, I'm like, I'll never forget. I was like the next person to go to get my autograph, and like one of the Disney Imagineers like walked up to the Captain Hook costume guy and was just like, "You gotta go," and he was just like, you know, double hand wave, see ya. Uh, yeah. And I was just like holding there no! my my book, <laughs> like, but but and, and like. <laughs> I really felt sorry for myself in that moment. And like, that was like my honest to God, that's my memory from when I was five there. And you still went on to make, make something of yourself. Yeah. That's like, Cause that would have been it for me. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I would like, like, it would have been it's over game over for point. me. I'd be well, like, there's, I'm not going to college. The, I'm not, uh, I didn't feel like I was worthy of shit after that. Yeah, my complex stuck with me forever. That's really the basis of it. Most people think it's like their parents. For me, it was Captain Hook. At least you didn't have to live <laughs> with him every day. So I think that's all right. Like, I, I don't have an autograph book anymore. I wish I did. But yeah, I went again at eight and I have like all the memories. So I was just going to say, we, I'm like, man, do we bring Addy like in the next year or two? Or do we wait until it's like we have other kids maybe? Or, you know, do we wait till she's like six, seven? So she like right really now, remembers Clara it Right now, Clara being five, she's in like the, pro- like if, if I took Clara to Disney World right now, she would love it. She would eat it up. I wonder if you and lose a little bit of the magic, though, by like eight or nine. That's what no, I'm I, don't, I don't know. You might, actually. I you think, know what I mean? Yeah. It might, I don't, I'm, I'm, you're if in full I, Santa is real. You're in full like these yeah. worlds r- are real. Like yeah. that's really the, that princess yeah. has their own life and you believe it. Like when you're at five, I feel like that's got to be like the magic year. If it was just Nora, I would take her right now. Right. Three and a half for sure. No quite. We wouldn't be able to do all the rides. It'd be more about the experience of seeing the princesses and oh my gosh, all the stuff. She'd be shy. She'd be weird and all, but mm-hmm. I would try now. Yeah. Especially yeah. because I could take like one grandparent and still, you know, me and Ashley could get out and do something or I don't know. It's just 
One is so easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I was yeah. about to say, so we're you guys going, can hate on me all year. We're, we're going, we're going, I'm one every so other week. Easy. We're going so. to we're going to Florida in two weeks and uh me and my wife just recently ruled Sully out of going. So we're gonna leave my son, who's one and a half, home because he's cutting six teeth. And we were like, we've been going back and forth on like you don't want to leave one kid and you know, with his with his Grammy, you know, while we go on vacation, but he is so miserable all the time. And I'm like, just like what you're saying, he's going to have zero memory of this zero, you know, yeah. all it's going to be is just miserable for my other two kids. Cause yeah. I'm not going to be able to spend time with my other two kids because as soon as I put him in the sand, he's going to cry. As soon as he's out hot, you know, hot any kind of discomfort, it's yeah. over. Well, it's also the difference between taking a vacation with the kids and taking and just taking care of your kids in an exotic location, yeah. Which, yeah. which is not yeah. like I ain't trying to do that. It's no. whatever I see. I don't think airlines should let kids under five on them. So, so we don't have to argue with our like yeah. grandparents and things like that. It's like, well, I wish we could come, but yeah. you know, airlines don't like kids under five on there. So I True. guess we're just, you're just gonna have to come and see us. Oh dude. I, I just went to Vegas, um, over the weekend and on my way home, I legitimately like, we're talking just pure amateur hour, no headphones, you know, no nothing, just <laughs> raw dogging on the, on the airplane with nothing. And, uh, the three hour flight, had a newborn directly behind me, Good first seat behind me, just mm-hmm. screeching at the top of their lungs. And I was just like, I deserve this. <laughs> this is what well, happens. This is what deserve, I get. You know, this is I had noise canceling headphones. Didn't bring Almost nope. every time you, on a plane, the problem is the, the, the kids, their ears are popping. Pop, they for don't the, understand for like the first time in their lives. Yeah. 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 Which is why it should just be a rule. Yeah. Like, like, like I was no, Oh, we'll get through. Like we should, we got to be able to, fly with our kids too. Like we got to be able to go places with our kids. Like if it was a rule, I wouldn't have to go through that conversation. It's like, well, other parents do it. Did you see that? I think you should leave sketch comedy show. I love that show. Yeah. I, mean, I like, love that show. You know, I was like, watching it last night. Do you watch the new season? I've only watched three episodes. It's, all of them are phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. I, I already binged it all. It's an hour and a half to watch the whole season, but I was yeah. afraid that I was going to get interrupted because I was laughing so hard. And usually that's when Ashley will come down the stairs and be like, what are you watching? And then I got to turn it off. Cause right. if I keep watching with her, she'll know what my sense of humor actually is. Yeah. Oh, man. And then she'll just be like, you're fucking weird. It, is your, <laughs> your wife's probably like my wife where she's like, this isn't funny. This is dumb. Yep. Yep. And I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't hear it, cause it is definitely dumb and it's funny. Oh, the, the driving crooner. Oh yeah, I was, that was dying. Yeah, that was incredible. Like it's gonna take off. It's gonna it's gonna be a hit. Like, people hate this. They want to kill me for it. And like it really happened. I mean, I lost it. It was like the safari hat with the flaps of the last season. That was. Anyways, I was, there was Dude, guy, Jeff showed me that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, dude. I literally couldn't stop laughing at that one. I, I didn't want to like it because Jeff, when Jeff likes something too much, I'm like, I yeah. don't want, I don't <laughs> want to like give it. Jeff the satisfaction of really liking this. Yeah, and dude, then I, I I'm really stop, trying to cool it on I that. I couldn't stop laughing. It's that person that like tries to like take ownership of a band that they really like. like no, man, the Grateful Dead are like really awesome. Like, no, like they're really important to me. And you're like, dude, like, can I? Am I allowed to like them too? Or like, yeah, but you're just not going to be like me about it. They're kind of my whole identity now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't do that to them. So the show is funny. You should see the new season. Why are we talking about it? Because of the, the oh, skit. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. There's a skit where a guy like tries to get revenge on a newborn baby 30 years later. And the newborn baby is now 30 on a honeymoon. And he's like on the plane next to him. And he's like, remember that time you went to, to, to an, on a 10 hour flight to England or whatever? And he's like, no, I was a baby. And he was like, well, you screamed the entire time. And so now I'm going to make your whole flight miserable. It's, and it's he, the best show. Yeah, and, <laughs> and the guy's like puts on noise canceling headphones and he's like, okay. <laughs> and so anyways, that's just a hilarious premise for a show. Now 
Should we get into fitness? Might as well. well we I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Dylan, long time coming on talking to you on this podcast. I was I'm, super excited. I'm excited to have you here, man, because there's a lot to talk about. I have so many things that I'm interested to ask you about, and uh, it may not be things that you'd, you'd expect, but you're all over the spectrum. You yes. know, using you started off your career, from my understanding, at the, what's it called? Don't tell me. The It's uh, in Westwood. Yep. But it's Woodside. Yes. Woodside. Yes. And um, so much history there. I yeah, moved I to Kansas City. I don't know anybody. I ask people, like, where should I live? You know, where should I train? Um, I don't know anybody. I don't have any friends in Kansas City yet. Like, and they're like, dude, you should join Woodside. And I'm like, all right, like, what's it all about? And they're like, well, it's, like, super expensive. And, uh, you know, like, you know, I was just told by You several, would hear about the pool. The pool. Yeah, the pool I told is, them about the pool. awesome. I was told by several women that I should go to this pool and that, like, women there wear high heels. That's true. That's true. It's really awesome. Have you still not what been there? I still have never been. Never been. <laughs> I don't know if that's still the case. When I first started working there, like, like 13 it was like or 14 a Vegas party ago, pool or something. It, it's changed so much. It's it's an absolutely fantastic facility. I've, I'm fortunate to have spent so much of my career there. The pool is as exceptional as they say it is. It's definitely you know they have this adults only area that is by a landslide. It's selling point. The gym is great. They just did a whole bunch of renovations on it. Um, the I mean it's it's a great environment. Um, it's also, yes, has that pool. I mean, I could say a lot about it cause it's such an experience if you're a member because you're going to see and hear so many things, but it's also like, it's the only experience like this in Kansas city. So is it like the Jones pool, but nicer? No, nothing is as great as the Jones pool. You can't, you can't, it, it's nicer than the Jones pool. Do you know the Jones the pool? I don't know of said Jones pool. Jones oh pool. God. So Jones pool. I, is, I always um, hope this is going to come up when I talk about Woodside. <laughs> I love it. So, so, so in like, Hey, you, Hey, part of this podcast, Dylan, you can't hold back. Yeah. You gotta tell us you what really it, went on. So I don't know shit about shit. Uh, oh, is because, this a Jones pool? No, 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 this, no. Is oh, this, this is Woodside. So Jones pool, Kyle is literally just the one life. Now the Genesis rooftop pool at downtown, right? Oh, okay. We've been there. Yeah. Or I've been there. Yeah. I've been there. And, uh, so bottom line is that pool used to be called the Jones pool and it wasn't, a, it wasn't connected to a gym. It was just the Jones pool. And it was a day party pool. Like you yeah. would find in Vegas. It was yeah, a, well, exactly it, like it a day is party like pool. a day party pool. It and it's kind of wild. Well, in it, Kansas City. It, it was a lot more wild back than when he's talking about when it's called the Jones pool. So some Springfield, um, ladies that would shop with us would, would take some time to go up to Kansas city on the weekends specifically to go to the Jones pool. Wow. And I was like, part of this is part of me and Kyle's heyday of working every single weekend yes. and not doing anything fun. And so <laughs> seeing I, things on social media, be so, like that looks so yeah, fun. Oh was, man, that, was. Was, that looks like, that looks like a good time. I should probably do that, but I can't cause I really, I wanna, open tomorrow. I really want to, I really want to advance in my career. So yeah. this was part of my, like what a, what a different life I could have led. Right. <laughs> I want you to know I did both. You know, yes. I was able to have a career and do my Jones pool time because it closed. Yeah. Otherwise, who knows where I would have ended up? Because yeah. that was every that was Saturday, Sunday, every weekend for probably two summers. May not even be married with kids right no. now. No, well, definitely, <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. Definitely never would have had a solid career. But it was. I was gonna like it when it comes up because it doesn't. It's not open anymore, so I get to act like it was this magical place when in all reality it was a disgusting cesspool yeah. of, <laughs> of people's sweat and who knows what. Like if you got in the pool, like you'd sizzle as you came out. Like it was. It was amazing though because you're just it, in a giant pot of pee, probably. Yeah. Well, and other things like it's yeah. just a gross. Like in in the moment, you're having so much fun and with your friends. It's the summertime, and then it closes. So now it's this like nostalgic experience I had in my yeah. early twenties. 
But in all reality, if you were a grown man, you walked in there and you'd be like, actually probably like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. But <laughs> I'm not going to lie. If I walked in right now, I'd probably be like, I wish it was still open. And, um, so, and Jordan Creek. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yes. Yeah. Woodside has a beautiful pool, but they also, everything in that place is beautiful. The owner is, um, he is really passionate about having the best amenities, the best appearing facility, and an, like an exclusive gym experience, you know, mm-hmm. and he has taken such good care of that place and um, brought it back from being something that was in financial trouble way before I was here and turned it into something that is very respectable and very unique for this city. It's There's nothing else like it. I watched a virtual tour of the new Woodside. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely couldn't find information, Dylan, on was this new Woodside, um, was this something that was, I, I thought it was like new Woodside South, like they were yes. building out a South one. So I don't know much about it, but they they basically built, the old building used to be like tennis courts and things like that. And then the South building, I cannot believe I ever charged people what I did to train on this tomb of a place. And I'm going to say it like that now because it's gone. <laughs> and then they've, then they've done some great work to it as far as I know. Um, but it's, it's, they turn it into this huge conditioning training center as far as it looks like. And they remove some of the tennis courts, I believe, but it, so is this in the same spot? It's the same building. So it's Woodside. You have one building that sits on the North side of the street and then one that sits on the Woodside South side of the street. So they both like the South side has all of the group exercise stuff. And now it has a huge conditioning gym is what it looks like to me. I've never been. And then the north side has everything else, you know, your food, your work life place, like places where you can work like a we work type space. Sure. And it also has, you know, weights, dumbbells, treadmills and everything like that. Um, but they com- looks like they completely redid that south space, which was. It looks state of the art. Yeah, it looks, it, looks, it, it looks overwhelming. Like you're like, I can't believe this exists. Yeah. It looks so nice. It's, it's cool. You know, I, I hope to go there someday, but. Um, is it open yet? Is yeah, it, I think is it's open. That renovation's done. Because I, I, I took like this virtual tour. I want to say I might have sent it to you. I don't know. But I was just like, what is this? Because it was all, um, at the time, it was all in render form, mm-hmm. right? As far as like the video tour that I took. And I was just like, is this coming? When they said south, I was like thinking it was going to be Overland Park. Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but no, it's all the same spot. Same They're spot. just expanding. Um, so what, that was what, the first place that you started training for 11 years. And did you get a personal training service certification prior to them? And that was like your first paid gig. So or was it something where you went into their system and then they got you tr- certified and so on and so forth? Well, this is one of my favorite stories because a lot of trainers get in the industry and they don't really know what they're going to do or how they're going to become a true professional. And the reason, the main reason Woodside will never lose my love and respect isn't the facilities or, you know, the, the career I had there. It's how well they took care of my education. So first, yes, the NASM was ne- was necessary, or at least an entry-level um, certification was necessary to train there. After about three years of me being a pretty terrible trainer, um, they, you know, the, the owner and the GM and all, and the, the, you know, upper management all decided that they went to URSA, which if you guys know what that is, International Health and Racket Something Association. Like a, and it's this big conference. Yeah, yeah, it's a big conference that they have every year for our industry. And they met a guy named Everett Aberg there who created a education program called orthokinetics mm-hmm. and orthokinetics, you know what I, I didn't really, Oh, it's a long story. So I'm trying to figure out where, where to hone in on it. They brought these guys in to consult with us and to teach us what this orthokinetics program is. And it was a hundred hours, each module, 200 for the first one, hundred for the second one, where you had this team come in and teach you hands on how to assess people, um, in terms of like joint relationships, strengths, weaknesses, um, and just the biomechanics behind 
how everything is supposed to move correctly, which gave, gave us a much deeper look into how people move correctly and how to improve the things that you might otherwise go missing. So for example, imagine you're, I, Tori, I did this with, um, she came in and she, we're talking about, um, I'm hoping you don't mind me talking about story. Yeah. And Tori's we our community relations director <laughs> at Supplement Superstores, in case you guys didn't know. Um, so, and we were going over squats and we were talking about how we have a hard time with her feeling it in her glutes. And she has great ankle flexion. She has great knee flexion and she has good hip flexion, but she relies on staying vertical. So when you blocked her knees and didn't let her flex the ankle so far, it shifted her back and she could feel it with just her body weight. So being able to identify those things so that you can figure out, and this is, I'll get into this discussion later. Basically this individual moves like this. And that means, well, we say a squat works the glutes. Yeah. But is it working for them in the glutes? Is it working appropriately for them? And why isn't it? And, um, I took off with that. Like I became a training manager soon thereafter and my, so Woodside, I'm going somewhere with this. Sorry. You're golden. (laughs) Um, Woodside became a place where I was a trainer. You know, I didn't know what I was going to do with my life or my career. And I was looking for something to latch onto. And then they gave me this orthokinetics thing. And I decided that I wanted to be the best ever at it. And then I got really married to the idea of leading others to have a career in this field because so few are able to carry it on for decades. You know, I'm lucky enough that I know several people, but I know more people that struggled to get ahead or struggled to latch themselves onto this as a true professional career, as opposed to a hobby where they're just seeing if it works out. And matched with an education and a support system, it became, I became very passionate about teaching others to do this and teaching others to grow beyond where I am, which to me is true leadership, is getting people to move beyond where you are and I, and confidently said I did that several times. And um, that is why Woodside is my, that, that'll always be a second, like, that's where my whole career developed. For sure. I and, think, uh, you know, in, in far, as far as like your, your, uh, the orthokinetics uh, training that you've had, it's really interesting to see how much, um, in probably the last five to 10 years, how much um, now it's becoming more apparent to people why people squat differently and, and why people have different leverages depending on, you know, bone lengths or the way that their hips are aligned. And, um, I think for a long time when I first started getting into powerlifting, I remember the guy that was, that was coaching me was like, dude, your squat, you need to be, you need to be more narrow in your squat. And I was like, bro, I can't, (laughs) I was like my, and I never understood why. Um, and it wasn't until I understood, um, more on like, you know, basically what goes into, um, squat mechanics that I was like, Oh, that's why, Mm -hmm. that's why I need to squat wider. That's why I need to squat with my, my, you know, toes turned out. It's not a mobility problem that I have. It's just the way I was born. You know what I'm saying? You can maximize obviously, um, with that. But I think that that, you know, is, there's just been so much progress in that, you know, it's been so much progress to, for people to now understand that there is no, because I mean, growing, you, you and me are the same age. And and I remember when we were coming up, it was like, if you didn't squat a certain way, you had bad form. Yeah. yeah. All all the form guys was what social media got started on. Yeah. And they're still, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it's still, it's like, absolutes are much easier to sell to people than solutions. You know, when you go out and you say, this is absolutely the case, this is how you squat. Oh, that's what I need to do. Or this is the one movement or, you know, you guys don't do this. It's just part of the reason I think this Sublin Superstore does so well is 
people try to get us to. Yes. As you know, but, but you know better, yeah. you know, and you, and you educate hey, what's them. the best pre-workout like hmm, that depends. Yeah. <laughs> that depends. Well, I got to ask you five questions actually. So hey, sorry know more about this. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at social media as a driver of, you know, people want answers and now we have more access to absolute answers, especially cause they're attractive. You know, you say like any men's health magazine over the past several decades, they get your attention by looking at it and it says, do this one move to get your six pack. And you're like, Oh, that one thing I never done that before. That must be the thing that I was missing. And it's like, no, you're just missing probably consistency and you don't know how to move your body. Like if you're doing a bunch of planks and you're not getting, you know, a better core development, you're probably not doing them right. Like, Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. So black and white, it's very easy to sell. Yeah. And it's, and people love that stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, and when you look at it, it's everything in fitness, requires context and you have to understand who the people are and what might be holding them back. And you can't do that. And people don't like assessments that much. They're very common in our field, but you know, they just kind of want to work out. That's like, you know, that's just such a shotgun approach to where you're basically asking a trainer, Hey, will you do a group class for me a one-on-one as opposed to actually personally training me, you know, cause that's the, that's taking the city bus to get home. Mm-hmm. As opposed to taking it, as opposed to going to valet or as it goes to going to a uh, drive, you're driving yourself because it's going to take you to where everybody else is going, but only a few people are going to be that close to home and it's going to drop you all there. And then some are going to look this way. Some are going to be this far from it. Some are going to be this far from it. But if you want a personal approach, you have to be screened. You have to be spoken to. You have to have someone come in and do research and development on your body, especially for how expensive this shit is. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have guys, um, I mean, heck, around the city here, I was once 125. I know there's guys at some of these local, or not local, um, uh, these corporate gyms around town that charge up to 155. And if you're going to pay that much, you want someone who's not just being your cheerleader. You want someone who's taking a deep dive look into who you are, what you are, what's holding you back, and how they've, and what the obstacles are in your objectives and what the opportunities are. You have to be screened to do that. Well, um, so that's what they taught us to do. Yeah, you, ha- you have to, you know, you want people to move well, you know, and that's the thing that it takes time and effort to do is to develop movement patterns um, that are correct. And it's like, if you don't get assessed, you know, you can't ever get to that point. I don't, I don't know if I'd want to go through one. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, especially I, I was just posting about this the other day. We want trainers to, in my perspective, we want them to move well, but I want them to move well according to what is most important to them. So identifying what that is and then deciding what sort of screening protocol they need to go under. So you're looking at them and you're going, okay, you want to have a great ass. You also want to be able to pick your kids up off the floor without having to grunt and groan. And you want to lose 10 pounds. Well, luckily those should all go together. Mm-hmm. You know, those, that, which is fortunate, yeah, those goals align, you know, those goals align. So what big butts the most important to you? Well, first of all, what sort of work do you do so far? Blah, blah. And then when you get to a screening, you have to be able to go, we're doing this because you want this. And I need to know if this is an opportunity or a restriction because an opportunity, both are opportunities under the, you know, in between the lines, but like, what are you good at? And what aren't you good at? Because it's likely the things you aren't good at. That's what's missing. I've known guys that can squat 400 plus pounds who have a trouble trouble developing certain parts of their body. Yeah. You know, so people, people want to uh, gravitate towards what they're good at, you know? And so that's just the, well, the common theme in fitness. Well, it's a common theme <laughs> it's in like, it's just discomfort in general. People don't want to face on, you know, face discomfort, dude. I, I have a very difficult time squatting myself just for my own mobility issues. And I could totally work on those things. 
I choose not to. Well, take take a decent amount of time, and it yeah. would drive you further away from what is most important to you. And heck, that might be it's most important for me just to feel a good workout and to feel strong and badass. But you acknowledge, yeah, I could do this better. So I'll take that a step further and say, you know, it it has to align with the person because if someone was to take you through a whole assessment, you know, you'd probably get get unless you came to them for that, you'd probably get get pretty tired of it and just want someone to kick your ass or to make you feel good about yourself. Sure. You know, it's like every time that me and my wife have to sit down and talk about finances, I hate doing it. I hate it. And it's my job to organize it and go through it. But then we're looking at a deep dive and it's like, "Mm, I don't know what that was. I don't know what, I don't know who's Venmoing that. And then blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yo, I need to stop doing that. Okay. Well, what do you need me to do instead? Oh, I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Leave me alone. Right. But that's the only way we're going to get better. Um, Gotta face those so, things head so on. Do you, Gotta face yeah. the facts, man. <laughs> when, when you when you have a, a new client, um, do you do you give them a little of the ass kicking in the beginning to kind of like build their confidence and get them to open up to you and, and get them used to um, you as a trainer before you get into like, hey, by the way, you know, you have some movement pattern things that I think we could work yeah, on. How soon do you, you start telling them the truth? Yeah. Um, within do, do the you first slow play it is what I'm asking. I do. Well, <laughs> usually the first time I meet with someone historically would be we, I, unless they are very standoffish and which you can read after a little bit, I will, I will talk to them for a good hour, mm-hmm. you know, to get an idea of who they are, get them to trust. And the trust is more about, I don't care what you, what you look like and let, until you tell me how you want to be. Right. You know, so I'm not going to assume how you should look. I'm not going to sit with you and say like, well, I, your arms should be bigger or you should be 50 or, pounds or you, less. Yeah, or you want to lose 100 pounds, like, but in reality, like, they, what if they want to just gain muscle? You have no that's idea. None of my business until they make it my business. Right. So we, I have several different questions that lead into uncovering things that people don't like to talk about. They can go from anything from name your day, name the activities you do right now, circle these things that are your main goals. What are those priorities? And then I go and I number them off so that I can understand what they think is holding them back from getting what they want. It becomes really hard when you tell somebody like, okay, well, on a scale from one to 10, how do you rank your body image? A rough question nobody likes to answer, but well, a five. Okay, what would it take to get to eight? And then they have to really think about what it is that they want to do. So once I get those answers, then I change their screening to anything from movement to, um, you know, I have a joint bias analysis that I do on a table. Um, I have a... um, a posture analysis that I do as well that, but if they're not necessary, then I'm not going to do them. And if, but if I see something on the floor, that's like, Hey, you're squatting and I can't figure out why your knee and foot keep collapsing. I need to put you on the table real quick and figure out if that's the hip knee or ankle. And then I can do that. And what's cool about that is that you can generally then go, okay, we're going to go and we're going to stimulate this movement and muscle. And then we're going to try it again. And usually it goes away. Yeah. It fixes it right away. Which is rad. It's just cool to see that in, in real, real time. It'd be like, if you guys were going to give somebody a, a pre-workout and they start bench pressing the thing out there right away because they just couldn't happen, like yeah. they couldn't help it. You know, it's like, well, that worked right away. I'm going to go, I'm going to lift all your employees. Yeah. So getting that immediate result. But once again, you have to assess to do that. Anyone can get a good workout in group X. Well, I feel like this gives you, uh, brings up a really good point, man, because when I first met you, Dylan, it was at the, the foundation Westport. One of the best moments of my life. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it with such conviction. I almost yeah. believe you. Um, <laughs> But whenever I met you, man, um, yeah, dude, I'll never forget it just because, uh, you know, your passion is awe-inspiring. Um, it's very palpable. You know what I mean? Like, um, you're very, very passionate about what you do and, uh, it's, it's fun and it's infectious to be around. You don't meet a lot of people like that in fitness personally. I think everybody's usually fighting their own battles 
and fitness that I meet and like, they don't usually have like a lot of space to want to pour into others and you wanted to pour everything into others. And so it was cool to see. And so when we first talked, we just, t- I like to talk to you about business. Mm-hmm. That's what I, where I gravitate to. And you know, we were just going through things and I'm just like, man, uh, with that level of passion that you have, because I think that you see what is gaining steam in the fitness community, especially on social media. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, man, it's just trashing. Uh, I, f- I felt like it was like, it t- like you're taking it personal mm-hmm. on, on, uh, people thinking like of, uh, you know, like you just like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a terrible job ex- explaining it, but it's like, uh, people are more or less cheapening the profession online to such a level that you're just like, I don't even want to be associated with, with being a personal trainer. If this is also a personal trainer mm-hmm. showing an example of online. And so with that, that chills, be, it makes me so upset. Yeah. And with it, I can vouch for this. His hair is actually standing up, but um, you're in a spot now where, you know, this is such a deep parallel because now you are working online mm-hmm. specifically only mm-hmm. online. And so with your level of passion for assessment and all of these things, how have you been able to then scale that to online? And are you able truly in your mind to give that level of service that you like to give to your clients? The level of service? Yes. The intricate details of movement, not so much. And that's just, that's just how that is. So one of them is swallowing that and going, this is how this is. You know, this is the environment that you're going to, the space you're going to be working in. Now, how do you stand out and continue to offer a one-on-one scenario? Because it is frustrating and I think the most frustrating thing about online training in general for me is the manipulation and dishonesty of it. You can have someone with a hundred thousand followers training. Imagine they train 5% of their clientele. You know, that's what 500 or is that 5,000? That's 5,000. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so in that scenario, they're training 5,000 people and generally they're reaching out and saying, I'm going to give you a custom program. Nope. You're going to give me the city bus. You're going to give me group exercise masked as personal training. And you're probably going to have 10 or more shadow coaches who are not you right. assigning this program and writing them out and working for you. I mean, I know really many people who do this and who do this for really respectable individuals. And if you're lucky, they've hired someone to manage that as a vice president or something to manage those programs. But then the main guy's just selling, mm-hmm. you know, which and paying, you know, charging $400 plus for that shit, you know, so that once again, that's, that's we, X. We've met these people as well. And we can vouch like, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think that the wild West is done with in the mm-hmm. sense of, I think that, um, there's a whole lot more accountability now and there's a whole lot more quality out there than there once was. There is. Um, and but it's still very easy to find the, the, the crap. I think trainers like myself are fi- making more of an effort to put ourselves out there on and work with a smaller scale to give quality through that. So when we say, because I know a lot that do a really great job of it, which is one of the things that inspired me to go ahead and say like, hey, you got to do this. Right. You know, especially because I had some big lifestyle changes. Sure. And um, I, it's not that I, I don't knock the hustle of these people who have this huge following. Take advantage of it. You know, sell, make money. Sure. But be upfront about what you're doing. That, that's what bothers yeah. me because then they'll post, you know, the 20 transformations they had. And it's once again, just like the city bus I mentioned. Did you actually call and like, what about when someone had a problem? Were you able to actually address it or did they just fall off and stay quiet? You know, so. Yeah, is your rate of success 1% you're showing us the 1%? Yeah, which would be enough. Right. You know, that'd be enough to show a big difference on. So <laughs> it, it it seems like uh, the people that you're talking about, they, they have a knack for marketing more than they have a knack for the profession of, you know, personal training. And I think it also, there's a lot of people like what we were talking about before the uh, before the podcast that, you know, they are young 
And when you're young in fitness, you think you have the world by the balls and you think you know everything and you come across like that on social media. And for somebody who's been in the fitness industry for a long time, I just kind of tune out to that. But I realize that it probably is attractive to people that are. There's a 16 year old kid that's 125 (laughs) and he's like, tell me how to That guy's confident. That guy's confident. He must know what he's talking about. He looks the part. Yeah, Yeah, he's jacked. He's confident. And uh, he's saying all the things I want. And, you know, I don't know anybody. It's just you don't know anybody else that's actually like uh, invested yet. Right. When you're 16, 17 years old, like how many people do you know that paid for a personal trainer? You just don't have very many. There's kids that played sports and there's kids that didn't. And the kids yep. that didn't are typically like, I don't want even want to be around those guys, right? I don't even <laughs> right. like, I mean, like those guys make me feel inferior. I'm going to be at a different gym and I'm going to, you know, so it's just at 16, 17, I can imagine that'd be pretty appetizing to spend $99 on somebody's fire plan or whatever it was called. Yeah. Remember the fire plan? No. There was a guy that we, uh, that we used to know um, that, you know, really became successful with online coaching, uh, was making a quarter million dollars a month. Which is amazing and cool. All that was cool. It was just the fact that he was telling us that he was like, you give me 99 bucks, I'll send you out the, you know, the PDF that's already done. And that's what it is. And he's like, and he was upfront about that. You know, it wasn't a customized plan. You pay 99 bucks. And that's where a lot of the innovation with this came from. There was actually, I remember, and I never used them, but I, I think, I always think these guys deserve a shout out because, um, I don't know them personally, but the guy, the owners of HitchFit were probably the first people that I ever saw do online training programs via PDF. And I respect the heck out of them for it because they were ahead of their time. Totally. You know, and now, and they only worked with people that, you know, they could consult with and, and they did a lot of transformations. They were honest about it. We do transformations. That's what they do. You know, the and, whole and, wall and, inside and, the gym. And it's, that's what they do. And they're awesome. I, I, and once again, way ahead of their time. So now you have people, you know, they would send a PDF back then and they would do that same thing. I don't, I definitely don't. I think they were legit. I, once again, I respect them a lot. The, um, but when we then branch out into social media, there's, there's a personal touch that doing just online training without the exposure of social media brings you. So social media brings a lot of attention. I love social media. I think it's awesome and fun and, and really exciting to be a part of the people that are operating on it and doing a really good job of it. I also, you know, they do something that I don't know how to do. You know, I don't know how to be that popular on social media in comparison. Good for them. Take advantage of it. I can't knock that. Mm-hmm. You know, you market yourselves. You you get yourselves out there. You know how to attach to a crowd and build relationships without seeing someone. I don't know how to do that. It's awesome. You know, so, but on my end, I had to figure out how to do it while also respecting my own convictions on it. And mm-hmm. I actually tried training a group of 50 plus for a period of time and it was just trash. Like right. it was just, I was disconnected. Not I was to your stressed. standards by any means. So I changed my price rate um, and I work with only 15 people a month now because I can keep it personal. I can stay in touch with them. They are more comfortable to reach out to me. They get a very, um, they get a 24 hour turnaround time, if not 10 minutes of any communication they have with me. They get a, um, they get adjustments on their app in real time. You know, I, I white labeled an app through a company called Trainerize, which I know a lot of trainers do. Mm-hmm. And, um, recorded all the videos for it. I have some 500 videos on there, which also adds that personal step to it. So I don't have to use anybody's stock video. And, um, you know, nutrition is, you know, macros. I do it. It's, I, people always overestimate how hard that is, you know, because it's like, you can get on the internet. That's what I do. Yeah. And and the app puts it together, you know, so it's not, it is not this intricate science that only trainers and nutritionists have, have to get a hold of. Oftentimes I'll show people how to do it. Um, and then they come to me and then I'll help them figure out what that looks like from a nutrition standpoint. But the biggest difference is adjustment towards what their goals are as they go through it. So where I can't assess someone on a table, 
I will assess them as they collect data on their own. So for example, if I have a client that's doing, let's say back squat and they're at 300 and they're doing X amount of reps and, and that's their goal for that month. And then one week it starts to fall off. The next week it starts to fall off or they say, you know, this is kind of bothering my knee. Okay. Something's going on in that that I need to look at. Something's not progressing. Something's missing. So that turns into more of a long-term assessment based on data collection as opposed to a live assessment based on like me seeing it right then and go, that's going to hurt later. Sure. You know, or that's going to keep you from developing this. It takes a little bit longer. And to be honest, depending on the goal, you're going to get a pretty baseline program from the beginning. It's the research and development that goes on after that and changes as we progress together where it becomes really isolated. And um, you're truly adjusting based on their own needs. Right? Yes. That, that could be on, own. that could be on the day. I could have a client reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm on a work trip real quick. Can you send me something for this hotel? And I will look up the hotel's location. I will look up its gym and I will put together a workout for them that day. So I'm the dude the next day. That's awesome. So, but that's the customer service side of it. You know, it's, it's yeah. one of my favorite stories about sales and customer service is a Zappos story, which used to be celebrated for delivering customer. happiness. Yes, we've, all, yes. we've all read that book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well then, you know, like, Tony like Shea. you know, someone calls in, thinks they're calling a pizza company. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> it's one oh, of my yeah. favorite stories. That's amazing. Like, no, hold on. We'll get yeah. the, we'll get the number for you and we'll call it in. You know, it's like that sort we'll of deliver level. Your pizza. And they yeah. didn't know it was their boss. Yeah. That was the best part. <laughs> he called, he called yeah. them, he called his own customer service line and had pizza delivered to them and they're not a pizza company. Yeah. And I love that. I love that. So it's, it's like that sort of customer, we can still deliver that customer service as trainers. It is going to cost a premium because we have to make a living and we can't service, you know, thousands of people. Mm-hmm. And once again, I'm fine with people servicing thousands of people. It's just consumers, I don't think, are always aware of what they're actually paying for. You know, Without a doubt. Well, they're paying for the result, you, right? You yeah. also, they're, they're, you, they're paying for what they think they're going to look like yes. when they're done. Here's my, my take on that, too, is that you, you, you have people that are selling a lot of those plans. There's a big chunk of those people who are buying hope. They're not actually Whoa. buying a, buying yeah, a training yeah. program. So it's like when we have people come in here and people are like, uh, yeah. where can I buy some of that? Yeah. Shit? Well, dude, it's we'll um, have people well, come in here and they'll be like, uh, where's the fat burners at? And you mm-hmm. get to talking to them. You're like, oh, you're well, not really trying to lose fat. You know what right. I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you're we, just looking for like some hope in a bottle mm-hmm. and you're just going to like throw it at the wall and see yeah, if that it's, works. It's, um, you know, we talk, it's an impulse purchase, right? For a lot of these um, people that are, that are selling 5,000 plans a month. It was inexpensive it's like maybe enough. if I buy this, I'll do it. And then Correct. they know they're not going to do it. It's an impulse purchase. They didn't even expect themselves to get results on it. They were just hoping that there might be something in this, uh, you know, this thing that they unlocked that they would be able to see something that they haven't seen before. Yeah. And it's just a hundred percent like buying hope. Like he was saying, we, we, we <laughs> I have, take that. I never thought of it. Well, like that. You, you've heard of a uh, green coffee bean extract. Yes. You've heard of Garcinia Cambogia, mm-hmm. right? These are our buying hopes in our industry where people come in and they will, we get frustrated when we see, when we see people we know on social media, like posting this like $10 product. It's not at a Walmart huge investment, that, right? Yeah, so it was, it was 10 bucks. It was at the checkout counter and then they have to rationalize it to you because they know you. And they're like, I know why you're commenting, Jeff, you know? <laughs> and they're like, I was cheap. It was at the, it was at the checkout. I just, it I might heard, help. I heard, yeah, on, I heard well. it on Dr. Yeah. Oz. It's like yeah. every single person that rationalizes their planet fitness membership out loud. It's like the only gym membership where, by the way, if you were out there, I'm psyched for you. And I think it's great. 
But when people say they work out there, they have to follow it up with like someone like, you yeah. know, it's just so, it's so cheap. It's so close. You know, it's just, they keep it clean. Yeah. yeah. There's usually something yeah. that's one of my favorite things is when people start justifying things way ahead of schedule. No one even like, asks. Like, yeah. Like, they're just like, they're already defending they themselves. That's why doing that. But you're already, you are, you're basically justifying it to yourself. Cause I quite frankly don't give a fuck. That's good for you. Every yeah. single customer that comes in like, yeah, hey, where do you like to work out? And they're like, ah, uh, you know, just plan fitness right now. I'm just, you know, I'm in between jobs and I'm like, dude, that's great. <laughs> Great. great. It's great. I you actually had a gym. membership there too at one point and it was across the street from my work. Why, so would, I not, so why, would, I, why would I not go? It's great. Right across the street. How would I not do that? And so, uh, yeah, 10 bucks a month. What are we talking about? But anyways, people always, <laughs> people, it's really affordable. Pe- people come, it's crazy. Just, pe- <laughs> people come at us all the time though with the buying hope stuff. And you're like, man, I, do you what want are, results or do you want to just keep, uh, on, on with this charade? You know? real, what are they buying at Planet Fitness? Is that hope or is that just like, like you're already letting yourself down. It's like, no, no. It's well, like, like I, I already know ten bucks is enough for me not yeah, to use it. You understand? Yeah, it's like it's, <laughs> I think I think uh, Planet Fitness has kind of got like the vibe like uh, now Bud Light's going through where it's like Bud Light's they, in it, man. yeah, where it's like people they're like, hey man, it's a you know I'll drink the Bud Light, but like you know I'm not you know it's same thing with like Planet Fitness. People are like, yeah, I go to Planet Fitness, but like you know. Lunk alarm, you know, they want to like talk crap on it at the same time. I got to tell you, you know. um, Bud Heavy is my favorite. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Have you ever, like, especially once I had kids, Yeah. like sitting on my porch with like those really big, uh, like dad's shades on and just watching my kids while I don't even always drink it. With I just the like new holding balances. it because if I feel like I'm superior in my neighborhood in that moment. You, you know, got a certain, like, you got like, a certain yeah, like I'm like an orangutan with the most bananas sitting there, just like, hmm, why are you, like you're not on your front porch with a Budweiser. Yeah. What are you doing? Especially when the one across guys across the street are drinking like an IPA, and I'm like, you're, you're know, just asserting your dominance oh, yeah, in your dude, neighborhood. Come on, Coors Coors Light is where I came from, and that's where I was raised in Colorado. But there's something about Bud Heavy. I'm a banquet beer guy. You are. What's not to love? I just don't think Bank. banquet beer bo- would be bottle? Budweiser in a fight. I'm with you. <laughs> like Bud Heavy to me knocks him it, the fuck yeah, out. It's very true. Who, I, fe- who, I feel like as far as asserting dominance, the, and who's the person in your mind that plays Bud Heavy? Because you ever have you heard the guy who talks about cores? No, it's Sam Davis or whatever his name is. Sam, help me out. Look him up. Who's the Dodge Ram guy? Sam, dude, he's the most famous guy oh, ever. He was in Roads Road Roadhouse. Yeah. He's the guy. Sam Neil. Like, Sam, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. That's, Tombstone. Yeah, you're telling me. That Sam Elliott's gonna lose in a fight to Bud Heavy. Sam Elliott's the guy who goes. I didn't know that. a banquet beer. When That's you put it like that. I'm, I'm just saying. No, you're right. I didn't know Sam, Sam Elliott. Elliott was, is, I didn't is, know he was in a bed professional with banquet bouncer. I didn't know in the he movie was Roadhouse in bed with, with, with Patrick Swayze. With, I take it back. That was right. okay. You have enlightened me. I'm just saying. Go at me on the trivia. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna put this out there. Coors Light is the. Is disgusting, <laughs> man. I, I, oh, I love Coors Light. Like, if you were, say, power and if, you were if you were on, you needed the most refreshing beer, like the most watery, refreshing beer. <laughs> yeah. And watery. it is that. Just like, it if it's a on watery. a hot day, yeah. I want a Coors Light because yeah. it is so light and so refreshing. It's like, if, yeah, what's it's your like go-to a summer sprite. beer? What's your go-to summer beer? Kyle drinks beer. I'm not, I'm not a huge beer drinker. I had my first Bush Light in like years the other day. Uh, I hit an ace playing it's a golf bush latte. and they gave it away. They gave, they gave away a beer to, cause I hit this hole in one. And it's so I, I drank like a bush light and I was like, this is delicious. It, it is it like was that delicious. for a while. That's a, that's a crispy boy. <laughs> it was, it was out of the cooler iced down. I was like, dude, I get it. These are delicious. They are. They are. They I don't, are know, some special I don't know why I ever stopped drinking these. Yeah. These are so awesome. Crispy boy. 
Yeah. A bush light specifically. Are you going to play some Sam Elliott for us? <laughs> very important. Like, come on, I didn't, I didn't come, come on, just dude. Talk. Just like I'm gonna, I'm gonna win this oh, argument go. by, by. God, he looks good. This video, no I, compromising. Best ingredients. I can smell Water this video, and it smells like Rocky cigarette Mountain. smoke. I. He was also the Marlboro he's Man. So put out about he something. He was the Marlboro Man. I believe that. And everything's gonna be better now. Yeah, hold on. That was a big. That's a, that is a heater. <laughs> Our beer's been brewed in golden Colorado. Wow. Wow. All right. I want one right chug, now. Chug, 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 chug. I would put down a Coors Basic beer right now. Come on. They should make him ride a Clydesdale on the next one just Bring to really back. shove it in Bud Light, Bud Heavy's face. That's true. They could adopt it. Because he would, he would master a Clydesdale, no problem. Is there stronger horses out there? I don't know. If so, or both, just put them on a I lived, I lived right next to Grant's farm in St. Louis for a couple of years, and it was really cool That's to see the, the Clydesdales. Clydesdales are. Yeah. They're freaking massive, dude. They're, f- yeah, they're huge. <laughs> yeah. I got, yeah, they have like but the they're no Sam Elliott. Like that's no Sam, Sam Elliott, Elliott talking about the goldenness You're of the Rockies in no way. Sam Elliott, you know, sitting at a bar with, you know, some Marlboro Reds talking about banquet beers. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love that? That's America. I, I mean, he's the most American. American. That's the most American man I could think of in my head. <laughs> if I think of like the most like the picture of like who we should be as a country, he would have been wearing a cowboy. Sam Elliott, for sure. And that was kind of a letdown. I I'm gl- had no idea he had such a great head of hair. That's true. <laughs> like that really that took me by true. surprise about that ad. All right, I got more deep questions for you. Are you ready? Yes, maybe. All Let's right, go. dude. Now so that we've established that pure conversation was going to loosen me up a little bit. I was feeling a little tight. <laughs> well, the on, well tight. dude, the online training stuff is, is intense, you know? And all I'm saying is, I got a question for what? you, man. You said that you really enjoy social media. I have, I have gone through a lot of issues with like feeling disillusioned with social media and that I, I don't know if you've ever felt like this before, but I've almost come to the point now where I feel like I've read every post there is to read. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. like I'll read a post. I'm like, oh, that's that post. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Especially when it comes to fitness. Stop so, reading posts and just start watching the videos of the TikToks. I, I, I watch the funnies. Watch I like the real the funnies. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying is, it, how do you, have you ever gone through a period where you felt like that yourself? And how do you continue to come up with creative content? Because your content is unique. Show them the one with the frying pan, Luke. <laughs> give, them, give them the frying pan. <laughs> it is unique. That's for sure. Well, my thing about... no, Tell yeah. us. <laughs> how does he come up with this stuff, Kyle? <laughs> So the honesty behind this is, first of all, I love my shit. I just, you know, and that to me was the most important thing because when I owned the training company, the hardest part was trying to love what I did while also representing a team of 12 trainers. Right. Because I do that and they're just like, what is my fucking boss doing? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this one. guy on? Yeah. What is, I'm doing laundry here. Yeah. So every time I do this, it's like, first, I get a little bit tired of doing them in the gym. And also, I'm kind of disenchanted by that. When people start wearing microphones in the gym, yeah, that's taken things to a different level of just like, we are pushing our boundaries here. Yeah. You know, people work here, people work out here, and now we're using this as like our TV studio. We're going to get asked to stop doing this. The tripod you know? goblins, as I've yeah, been told. Yeah, and it's, it's a real thing. So tripod I start, goblins. And, 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 <laughs> I have a good time oh, after everybody goes I've to bed. <laughs> um, so it's also like, these are the things that I do daily. I'm at home with my kids all day. You know, and, and my life is probably 5% fitness, yeah. you know, not including my job. I probably work out 
four times a week. I eat relatively healthy. Um, business is by all means a, a big part of life, but the biggest part of my life, you know, people always, Oh, Instagram is fake. No, I vacuum with my shirt off. The only thing that's different about that is I had a tripod up and a light. Phenomenal you know? lighting. Is yeah. Yeah. I got I a lot like, of lighting, lighting. Yeah. I'm like you got some great lighting going in there. And it's fun. Like it's, it's, I have been disenchanted by social media in more ways, mostly because you see people doing great, you know, and you know that you're great and you know, you have all this stuff to offer and if, and it's hard to focus on it because you want to put yourself and what makes you great out there. And then you see someone you're like, I know these things I could do better than that. But then you get this imposter syndrome um, because, you know, even though you see people who have obviously no problem with that, that just happen to be so self-conscious self-confident that they'll put out things that you know are not good mm-hmm, you know sure. and it gets attention and um then you look at that and you go like maybe they're just ignorant you know and and that's what most people are you know so if you put that out there and you say okay well i'm gonna put out this five percent and this also drives me nuts about social media and people would bring this up to me all the time and say Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Kyle and I really appreciate your support. Uh, We've been doing this for a really long time. We want to let you know that we do this completely free. We don't run ads. We're not asking for anything from you guys except for one thing, and that is to pay it forward. Please tell a friend. Please give it a share. Please give it a like if you found any value in our podcast. Um, We do this 100% to support local fitness. And so if you in turn uh, appreciate and support local fitness, we hope that you do share the podcast with somebody who could get value in it. Now, let's get you back to the episode. This is like, it seems like this is their life. And it might be, you know, but I also really know that it's not the biggest part of my life at all. It's the biggest part of my social media. You're talking about their like content creation? Yeah, like what they put out there. So for example, if you follow a fitness person, it would seem like they do that all day and nothing else. All they do is eat the right things. All they do is work out. Sure. All they do is dress in matching outfits. All they do is in all this stuff. And it's like, what do you do at home? You know, what are you doing at home? Like, what does that look like? You, you can be sexy at home. I don't care. You can be all those things at home, but do people just not care? And maybe they don't, but it seemed so false of me to be excited about only putting out stuff where I was working out or talking about that stuff. And I also wasn't talking on the camera much, which as you can tell, I love the sound of my own voice. You know, and talking about shit. You got to be um, talking, dude. I got to be. You you gotta know, be. And it's fun. And yeah. I'm not answering your question. So let me think. The I have been disenchanted by it. Seeing all the other trainers have wild amounts of success. And that's just envy. Yeah. You know, I was jealous because it's like, I know so much, but I can't get this kind of attention. I think I look good, but I can't get this type of following. I can't have this sort of influence. And then it was, are you using it for attention? Or do you want to use it to build a community um, outside of the four walls that you live within? based on what you're actually passionate about. When that clicked with me. Yeah. I was to say that transition was obvious. Yeah. In, in it was content. big. It was bang. It was, it was, you know what? I want to start doing, I want to start building outside of my four walls with people that I could meet in person. And now when we go to a event or I go somewhere, it's just like, I get to say hi to so many people in our community. I'll get people that send me messages and comment or like something that I actually know, you know, and I feel like we have this conversation or we have these relationships that are built. So I think one of the hardest things about social media is you're like, it's fake. You're not building real relationships. And I can tell you some of the best conversations I've had in the past year and a half since my son was born mm-hmm. have been a matter of me expanding outside of, of my four walls at home and getting to know people through social media. So it's like, it sounds like this was rooted in a sense of, um, when you were initially using social media for your profession, mm-hmm. it was uh, a lot of comparing and it was oh, yeah. a lot of expect- exactly, Jeff. and a lot of expectations you were putting on yourself and beliefs you put over yourself that 
were based on somebody else's, you know, race that they were running, if you yeah. will. And it was kind of dictating your pace. And so like, you know, it's someone's always going to be making, you know, bigger gains or, or having better fat loss than you. And, and this is what you would tell your clients, of course. And you're like, dude, just run your own race. You know, your intent is off, right? Well, like get out of it, uh, the, what you want to get out of it. So the minute that you stopped caring how everybody else was doing things and how did you want to do things and, and just lean into that is when it became enjoyable. Man, it's kind of like if you were, if you were, you go and you like, you end up dating the hottest person you've ever seen. Okay. But you have to fake yourself to do it. You're not going to be happy, you know? So you want to be genuine. You want to be authentic, but are, would I, was I ever happy when I was trying to run that race? with what I was doing. No, it felt, didn't feel right. It felt awkward. And then when you don't accomplish it, like for example, when that person leaves you or doesn't give you what you want based on you changing who you are to suit them, it feels even worse. Right. You know, so I, I am really proud that, you know, I, I talked to some of you, I talked to a lot of your, you know, people that work with you. I talked to people that train around the city that I have respect for that. I truly don't think I ever would have met if I hadn't have eventually just started being myself you could just almost feel the defensive nature in my posts at one point, almost like I was trying to combat my own lack of popular. It's weird, you know? So, well, dude, it's, it, this is how, this is my, my it's raw, resentment. For, for, correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like my raw thoughts when I met Dylan was like, this guy a hundred percent like knows that he is in the top percentage of trainers out there because of his unbelievable knowledge. And he's really passionate about it. And he has all the care in the world. And if you were trained with this guy, he would do whatever it takes to ensure that you got the results you were looking for. And he sees these other people that are doing 10% of that kind of work, 10% of that amount of care, and they're getting a ton more leads or a ton more. And I'm like, man, it's so hard to advertise your care, right? Yes. And so, you know, you and I have had several conversations on a business level where it's like, hey, how do I advertise, you know, that we care more, we have a much deeper understanding of how the body works, you know, I produce the best results mm-hmm. if you stick with my plan, you know, and it's like, man, that's really hard to advertise. It's going to have to just be, uh, you know, the results speak for themselves and, yeah. those, and those clients tell their friends, it's just a slower growth. And when you're trying to build a training program from scratch at the start of a gym where it's like, we need results now, you know, because like the rent's the same every yeah. month, <laughs> yeah. you know, I don't get to like pay more when I make more, I have to pay the same. And so that makes it really, really tough. And so people then have to start, and this is where it gets tough, right? Where you're like, do I, do I start changing my value yeah. system? Right? Yeah, totally. And you're like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just not, you know, we talked about you posting, uh, was it transformations? Maybe was it transformations? You're like, I don't, I like make it a point to never post transformations because mm-hmm. that's what everybody else does. It, it's transformations. I don't post for many reasons. One mm-hmm. it's their work is not my glory. Sure. You know, it's, if they put that forward, I'm not going to use them to sell my own business Sure. because that's not what they signed up for. You know, even unless they like really want it, um, it just doesn't seem it's a very personal approach. I, I work with a lot of people who have professional careers who are, you know, in their own communities that just don't want to be put out there like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't even mess with it because I don't want someone looking at totally. me like, well, are you going to post me out there? You know, and it's also not what I do. Sure. You know, a transformation as far as I, I've always understood it is I'm going to do this amazing tr- um, change for you in a short amount of time. And then our job is done. My job is most of the people I've ever worked with, I've worked with for five plus years. Sure. You know, so it's, it's, we're going to transform so much more about your life than just your body. You know, also I'm, 
how many people I see who go through transformations, it's not as many as I just made it sound, but you see people go through transformations and then they don't know what to do afterwards. Right, right. They, yeah, you know, right. And, and, yeah. and we learned that lesson really hard as a company because <laughs> we do, we do operation transformation yeah. and we do it like once yeah. a year and we'd have that same thing happen. And now we do like a constant, it's basically like four a year. It's yeah, like it's four clear. a year. We continue, we that. continuously yeah. do it because if you don't do that, like I said, you're not giving people like the, the format that they need to like continuously see results over time and the thing is is that um you know we and you and i talked about this and this is kind of at the basis of like where um the direction that you just it seemed like there was a line drawn in the sand that you wouldn't take and this is the one i'm getting into there was a time when you know an eight-week transformation or let's say in our in our case we would advertise like a weight loss product these are things that the people that want to buy hope will latch on to right and it's up to us as professionals to be honest with these people when they come to you looking for the quick fix mm-hmm. that you have to explain to them and tell them the harsh truths of it all and explain it to them in a way where, Hey, but this is still exciting yeah. and this is going to be a lot of fun big time. and you're going to actually change your life and it's going to be enjoyable, but it's going to take some, uh, some different expectations. Right. But I don't get to have that conversation if I don't throw out an eight week challenge, I don't yeah, get to have that conversation. That before. I remember that conversation. Cause I was like, dude, you're just limiting yourself because you don't want to tell people that you offer something that comes across as gimmicky, <laughs> yeah. which I would argue is ego. You know, I would argue that I, I can't disagree with that. It's yeah. I'm, I have a huge ego in this, in this instance, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? In this specific <laughs> yeah. arena, yeah. because it's like, I don't want to be associated with these jerk offs who are literally just making money hand over fist over selling, um, you know, fairy dust more or less. And you're like, dude, I'm not associating with that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's not that you're not selling that you're letting them know the same kind of results that you give. It's the same kind of results. These people are advertising that they give, but you're going to be the honest person about it. And we can change this industry one person at a time, but we got to invite them in. I and remember that if conversation. I if I throw a party and I say that like, you know, there's no booze and there's no hot chicks. Not a lot of dudes are coming. You know what I'm saying? I'd but come but once I'm there and I'm like, Hey, you know, like <laughs> we're, once they come and like, then we can talk about like, Hey, let's actually, you know, let's be better guys here. Let's be better men. Here's what we do different. And then they're like, ah, I'm going to lose some people, Adver- but, advertising, I'm gonna get a lot, but you're going to get a lot more loyal people advertising that, you know, like, Hey, you need to uh, follow this diet and you need to take this multivitamin. Nobody, nobody comes, <laughs> no in, one comes our, in. Nobody comes in. Nobody comes in. We, we laugh about it all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, dude, why don't you guys advertise about your customer service? Because I'm like, everybody just expects customer service is going to be good everywhere they go, and they only hear about it when it's bad. Yeah. So this, so this is also like when it comes to training. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure about this because I've always felt like, okay, you're a personal trainer, like you said, about your own business. Like, sure, people risk expect results. That's baseline. You know, right. results is I'm like, I'm calling result, a trainer, get I'm getting results. So that's the other thing, even though I you're, I agree with you, this is just me talking with another sticking point for me on that was. Uh, no, I love to hear it. You know, I'm a the trainer. thoughts is great. You should expect a result from me. It's everything that I offer outside of that that brings me value. And if I want to charge a superior rate, I can't offer you the Toyota. I need to offer you the ultimate driving machine. And this is what the ultimate driving machine brings you. You know, it, it's the features are important when you get into a certain price point of how you get the result, you know, and then how long you continue using it because of the service that comes through on that. And I think one of my biggest problems with that was, for example, I've, this reminds me of, of, I don't think that that's for every industry. I don't think that's, or even everyone in our industry. What is that in this? That being the, because to me, that'll always sound like a bait and switch. You know, you're coming in for this, but as soon as you get here, we're going to have a discussion on what you actually need, mm-hmm. you know, and 
I saw this happen in a, a with a um, corporate gym that I worked for where that was basically how they did everything, sure. you know, where you'd have people come in and they were thought they were getting one thing, but they would outright lie to say, Hey, we're going to do this with your trainer. And then you meet with them and immediately they're giving you something else. And they're just talking fast enough that you don't really have enough time to say no. And you're overwhelming approach. And, and they're like, well, I just came here to do this body scan thing. And it's just like that to me, it was not, would not, Oh, there's no longevity to that. Well, it's also just not like for me, it, it goes against that value. And, and heck, maybe maybe I could have had more success in my life if well, I Well, you can just say that. that's fucked up because I would agree that that's yeah. just fucked yeah. up. Yeah, and, and I don't know the to barrier To do that there. to somebody. You know, so in but, training. Well, hear me out on the training side of things. I'm going to hear you So, we, so the, when it comes to the weight loss stuff that we talk about, it's our most expensive product. It's not a mm-hmm. free product that you come in for and then we try to sell you the most expensive product, right? The product that we're selling or in advertising is our most expensive product. Yeah. And so they're coming in knowing full well that what they're looking for is, the, is that we might even tell them to spend less money, to be honest, because yeah. we want to gain their trust over anything, right? The yeah. trust is what we need more than anything. And then we'll stick with them long-term, right? Uh, on your end, you it, could be selling, for example, um, Alex Ramosi. Are you familiar with him? He did a uh, gym, gym launch. launch. No. So he did, he would sell um, the result more or less, right? He'd say like, Hey, here's what we're going to do. Uh, we're going to run a challenge. You're going to pay me $500 for this challenge. And if you don't get results, so they created some parameters for the guarantee, then I will give you your $500 back. Or if you get the results, I'm sorry, if you get the results, right, I'll also give you your money back. So it's, it was a win-win for the person, right? And then after they win, let's say they actually get they get the results. Like, hey, we also know, like, you know, this is a lifestyle now, right? Like, you're really bought in. You know, you were buying the hope in the beginning, but now you've really done this. This is a lifestyle change for you. You've created these great habits. This is not something we want to give up on, right? So we can take that money, we can apply it to your membership and you can just continue to keep going going through it uh, or you can cancel. It's up to you. But I think that we both agree that we're on the right path now, aren't we? And then you're like, oh shit, you're right. And so he uh, sold his business for $40 million. <laughs> and he's younger than all three of us. But, Which is amazing and awesome. But I'm saying know? like he is somebody who figured out how to how I, I sell the, the result it, and still do it in a very, um, I would say in a very positive way. It's as easy as knowing this, that that you can't change what people are looking for but you can you can change what um, what their expectations of how to get those results are, and uh, if you, you, that's you know, what we try so hard to do, yeah, it's difficult. But you know that's why, like, if you were if you were advertising, you know, like trainers who advertise, you know, hey, we have an eight week challenge coming up or something like that, um, you know, people are looking for that, and so it's like if you and the way that I would always look at it you know, if I was a trainer is I would be like, well, whose eight week challenge do I want them in? Who do I feel like is going to, who's going to transfer the best information to them? Who's going to put the most uh, emotion into it and actually like try and get them the best possible results. If I truly think that's me. And then I also know that they're just in general, people are going to be looking for that thing. It's unethical to not do that. Right. Because you think, Hey, where am I going to make the biggest, where am I going to help, help the most people? How, how can I help the most people? It's got to be that it's, it's, it's the people, you know, I have to go where people are looking. And I also think that I can actually do it the absolute best versus these dorks out here that are doing it in an unethical way. Um, 
you know, that's the way that I would yeah, we, look at So it. like where we're, where we're all at, I think at the end of the day is like, how do I be the right, the positive change or the positive impact that I want to see in this community, right? Mm-hmm. Or in this fitness industry. And, um, you know, that's what we try to do. And it's like, if there's a more, you know, a better approach out there, like we're talking about with Alex or Moses, mm-hmm. you know, we're like, damn, why didn't we think of that? Cause that's a, that's a great way to get people in the door. So you have the opportunity to bring them into a lifestyle. Here, here's the thing though, that sucks. People are just going to fall off and quit. And that there's really nothing you can do that is going to stop that from happening. Right. You know, it's like you can pour every fucking ounce of like care and emotion and transfer of, of knowledge. And, you know, but you can't go home with them and you can't like change who they're married to. You can't change, you know, who their friends are. And that that group of that circle of influence a lot of times overrides anything that you're going to do. That leads me to my next question anything. for you. So directly is. In your, in your history, this is, I mean, you're well over, I think, what is it, 14 years? 14 years, yes. 14 years training, Dylan. What do you feel like is the number one variable that uh, people can control that they're messing up when they fail? Like the, when you get a, a, a client who is just simply losing hope and they're, not, and they're not following through on things, where is it coming from directly? You have not communicated enough. A, <clears throat> a trainer, you have to communicate up front consistently about where they're at and where they're heading and what you're doing next heart and mind or heart mind. It, well, it's, they feel like they're failures. Okay. You know, they feel like they are letting you down. They feel like they're letting themselves down. They feel like they're not doing something right. When in all reality, they're, they're probably doing everything that they can, especially if they're working with someone one-on-one. So I, I didn't have more grace. Yeah. I didn't have a, like I probably had a 90% retention rate for a decade plus which is not the that's industry awesome. average. It's certainly, incredible. Certainly. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, it just goes to the level of care you, know, but, you put in but, your people. But that's what I mean. It's like, I never sell set, set a false pretense. You know, it would always be, here's where we're at. Here's what we're doing. And at the beginning of every session, you would have, here's what you did last week. Here's what it led to this week. Or here's what you did yesterday. And here's what it led to this week. And at the end of it, you go, here's what we're going to do next week. This is what you accomplished today. And this is what it should lead us to. And if you're in communication with them, you'll hear about it like, well, this is what's been going on for the past month. So you want, you had this goal. You've been missing these days. You've been doing eating this way. Or you've been doing this way. I am doing everything I can on my front. Absolutely. To get you to where you want to go. And I have track of that. You know, I keep data. So I know like you are getting stronger, you know, or you are doing this or you are doing that. Things are getting better for you from a strength and life standpoint. So we need to talk about negotiating at home. And then you will find that they are simply getting disappointed with themselves for not following through on their end of the bargain because they love you. How many people in your life do you spend an hour a week with that you don't work with or three hours a week with that you don't work with? Very little. You're one of their favorite people in the world if you're working with them one-on-one. At least you better be. Yeah. So now they have one more person in their life. Like, not only am I letting myself down, I'm disappointing him. And it's like, when you are not able to, and it's not even about a result so much sometimes, it's more about, do I feel good about the direction I'm going in? You know, do I feel stronger than I did last week? Do I feel this? Cause to have retention over, you know, once again, most people I worked with for five plus years, you're always talking about the next steps. You know, we're never talking about, and this is why we never sold packages either. It's like, well, there's no, you, we stop when you tell me to stop. Right. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to keep training there you for no the rest of my life. Yeah. Game, there's no, yeah. there's no like, Hey, here's our 12 week plan or here's our 12 week package. It's, we're going to do every single one of these per, you know, a la carte until you tell me to stop, you know, and I'm always going to have a direction for you. I'm always going to tell you where you're at. I'm always going to communicate with you on this. And if you're feeling disappointed or discouraged, we need to step back and we need to assess where that's coming from so that we can address it 
and get you back to what makes you feel confident and proud. And people have emotions, man, like about their bodies. I have seen people have failures and success across the board went from a client standpoint. And in generally it comes down like they have 160 some hours outside of our training a week doing other things, you know, and a, a good example, especially after you have kids, it's not hating your kids sometimes because they keep you from doing what makes you feel good. And that could mean I want to be in better shape, but I don't even have time to sleep and I'm supposed to come here and work out, but all these life circumstances are there. And then you have people that expect to train like athletes year round, Yeah, you know, that aren't, aren't athletes. Athletes don't train like athletes year round. They, they do periodization, you know? So with even my clients that I've had, once they've been a long, long term, periodization becomes necessary to avoid those letdowns. Cause you're going, this is what we're doing. Like, why am I lifting less this week? We talked about this last month. You know, this is a long-term thing. This is a life thing. So I've found that disappointment is much harder to get to if you're communicating clearly. If you're a trainer and you're not communicating with them or you're not, you know, projecting for them and setting, like, think about business. If, if you put in that and you say, like, hey, we're going to hit this quota. Well, now you've set an expectation, you know, and, you, and you're going to be disappointed if you don't hit that expectation. Right. You know, so what are all the things that you went through to get there? And then you collect data to identify, like, okay, we didn't hit our quota. Well, let's check retention. Let's check attrition. Let's check our sales on X, Y, and Z not so that we can judge execution, but we can figure out where we are not doing our best. You know, I'm not doing it to say, no, to, to me, that is everything. Communication is everything, you know, and I've had people crying to me. I've had people have repressive, repressed memories from being touched, like all sorts of shit because the body and the mind are one and the same. I don't know, man, I've had really good experiences with, with clients, you know, I've, and, um, because I also, I sell an experience, you know, when we say people want a result, I think that that's true. But if that's the case, I, I mentioned cars earlier, a Toyota will get you from point A to point B. Right. It's how a BMW makes you feel that makes you pay $120,000 for that, you know, uh, to buy it. So if you want to be an elite trainer, you can't just get them from point A to point B. They need to have an experience on the way there that's far superior to what it would be just taking a used car. And not everybody's going to be for that. Sure. But if you want to be elite, you know, quite frankly, you can look up anything you want online to get results. You know, mm -hmm. if you really want, if you really want wanted results and this, I'm going to come back to people want results. If you really wanted them, you would just look it up and you would get the same result that you would for most things. Mm -hmm. If you want an experience and you want a person in your corner, you hire a trainer. And that is where we come in where we're like, I, I don't sell people results. They come to me and they tell me what they want. And I tell them the reality of how close they can get to that based on what their current lifestyle is and what they need to do to address that. And then we discuss whether or not that's possible. You know, so you're right in a sense where you bring people in for an eight week transformation and then you tell them the reality. Right. I'm already starting by disappointing them. You know, now <laughs> I'm bringing them in. I'm going like, wow, isn't that a letdown? I just brought you in for this thing that I advertised out to the world I could do for you. And now I'm already saying like, mm, not for you. Not for you. You're in this for life. And, yeah. and I don't even know if we'll get there in a year. You know, it's kind of almost like an interview process, right? It's like, uh, totally. yeah, I'm like, it sounds like I wasn't, I wasn't saying that's right for you, by the way. I was just saying like, you were, in, I saw it in your eyes. You're looking you're, at me I was like, like dude, you better do an eight week challenge. <laughs> when are you going to start you your challenge? Eight week challenge like us. It's the I was shit, just, man. Everybody's going to post like, about it. It used to be a 12 week challenge. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
that you know too long you should do it too long hey dude this is an idea can't get life-changing results no 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 you do a life <laughs> challenge Seven minute you're life signing challenge. up for life whoever dude. lives yeah. the longest yeah. wins yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every year someone's gonna put a hundred dollars into this pot and whoever lives the longest yeah is is the winner i'm with that yeah that's cool. what was it uh there's something about mary you know that remember that one yes i love that eight, movie it's amazing he's like you know eight minute apps he's like i've been thinking about it seven, seven minute, minute apps. apps seven <laughs> think about it bro seven so, minute apps now man, the, you just hit the nail on the head of yeah. the whole industry though yeah, it's yeah. Just six like, week how, challenge how could i one-up you Four on make getting it to you faster 21 day challenge and and easier yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not but three so, weeks how no. much are we gonna change in one week days well no. what did you do i gave them a shitload of adderall and a lot of running to do and they lost like 10 pounds and didn't eat a thing they look like shit but uh-huh. dude <laughs> I, I, this is actually a, a, one of these ones that didn't work um that i thought was really cool and i want to know your because it's a local <laughs> fitness so i want to talk about it so zone six yeah, right great place uh yeah dude phenomenal facility yeah. on the inside and when they were getting started um they put a lot of money behind it as you know uh just from seeing the equipment mm-hmm. and so forth and they did something that i had never heard of before and it was their 21 day challenge are you familiar with this no. So how they did this was they would pay somebody salary to go into the corporate world and they would sell people on, Hey, like don't partner with zone six. We're not asking you to partner with us. We will give away our membership to every single person that works here. If they sign up for our 21 day challenge, they'll, they'll get a, a full like, you know, key tag. We'll get all their information. We'll sign them up. They are literally going to have the entire gym membership that they would get if they were paying full price for 21 days. Um, if you do these requirements that we have involved in the 21 day challenge or whatever, um, we will give you personal training help. We will give you nutrition help. We will give you an in-body scan, all of the things to get them on the right track. It's because it takes 21 days to build a habit, as they say. I don't or, believe. Or break one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't believe in 21 days. I think it takes longer than that. I think it takes I think volume. That. I think if like it 21 days, well, longer. 21 days of me doing it habitually or 21 days of like mm, three or four days in there. Like, like it's. There's so many details in that uh, context. Yeah, and what is good, and but you know, <laughs> yeah. versus bad, you know. So, anyways, they do this, and um, I thought in my head, like, dude, this is great because they have to have exit interviews every single one of these people, which is like kind of the closing of the sale, where it's like, all right, you've been doing this 21 days, you're obviously like, you know, starting this new lifestyle, time to sign up, and uh, you know, it didn't retain enough people to where they could keep paying this person to do this full time, and so it's like it didn't end up, you know, longevity wise, it didn't stick around long enough, but they did like. I think, you know, at least 10 of them. And we were, we were, we partnered with them on a couple of them, awesome. but I thought it was a novel idea, you know what I mean? To try to get people into a lifestyle change by selling them on the 21 day challenge part. But I don't know. I mean, it just didn't stick. I don't understand. I don't I couldn't divulge as to why, you know, I, it, training. Okay. So I always, I, this, so look this up. This was the case probably two or three years ago when I researched it. 9% of, American, not United States Americans. I hate it when I say Americans because there's like two continents. <laughs> but nine percent um, of us belong to a gym. Four percent of us go on a monthly basis. So if you think about the percentage that I don't have a number for of people that actually meet with a trainer and ask for help, how low that number actually truly is. You know, when we see, you know, bring it back to social media briefly. Oh, everybody must be like this. No, not even one percent of people work out that hard or look like this. You know, yeah. it's 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 not reality. So you, then you go, you go and try and sell something that's unapproachable for free in hopes that it makes it more something that they feel have more value in. It's just not going to happen. And then when you go and ask them for value for it, um, they're they're You got to be upfront, I guess is what I'm saying. It's, I, I was thinking on my way over here, what's the most important thing I would tell a trainer or a program in our field for longevity. 
It's being incredibly honest. Meaning one of the first things I've ever, I ever bring up with people is cost. And I tell them at the end of this, I'm a hundred percent going to tell you, you're going to be better off with me. You know, I'm not selling you on anything. That's just the truth. You know, for $125 a session, you're going to be better with me. It's just a matter of how often I'm going to see you. And now it's up to me for the next couple of hours to demonstrate to you why, you know, but yeah, I'm going to ask you for that. There's, but it's not a sales pitch. I'm just, it's going to be honesty, you know, and I might look at you and say, I only need you once a week. You're doing great. I may tell you, I need you three times a week, but I'm going to give you the honest answer. And that even goes further into, I don't know the answer. I'm going to do this, but they need to be honest with us about what they actually want. Cause to sit down with a trainer, just think about how many guts that takes. Like to actually sit down and be like, Hey, I'm super unsure about this. I'm kind of uncomfortable. I'm sitting down in front of me of all people. Um, and I'm going to explain to you the things that I'm insecure about. No, you know, no. How are you going to get them out of me? I just want to hit the floor and be looked at like, mm -mm, no one even wants to do that. So it's funny because I want to say that I, I got to explain this, like for our listeners, Dylan is a, a physically imposing guy is in like, he looks like that guy that in their mind, they thought wouldn't care. He looks like that guy that would be condescending talking to him in their mind, the made up person in their head that they've been, you know, fearing their whole lives as far as their insecurities go. And you're like, no, I'm actually the world's nicest person. And no one's ever cared <laughs> more about your results than me. Like mm -hmm. no one's ever cared about you feeling good about yourself more than I will. Like it's crazy. So how much do you have to deal with people breaking through that wall first? That's just a cool purely, question. purely because of just all of their preconceived notions that they had before they talked to you. It's one of my favorite things to talk about because it's a backhanded compliment towards my stature, um, sure. which is, Hey, by the way, you, you, you know, jacked, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I love that. So let's talk about it. So, <laughs> so, so, talk so, more about so that. So let's talk more about how Bring I overcome my, my intimidating stature and how large I am with it's all just, my it, muscles. It's just people are, people are insecure, man. And it's like those, in, those, it's so difficult, you know, talk about sitting on the trainer. We are still surprised. Like it still blows my mind that, there's people that are just too scared to come into our store. For sure. And you're just you know, like, it's, huh? It's, well, if you look at it, the perception of us from the outside in, if you have some self-awareness for it, and I think there's a big boundary with self-awareness of, you know, am I beating myself up or am I just being aware of how I may be received? You know, because I think too often self-awareness turns into self-deprecation. You know, in all reality, it's this is what I look like in this scenario. I had a lot of help from HR over the years sure. to explain to me what that was like in a lot of ways that I didn't enjoy basically saying you can't be as blunt and honest as other people can, you know, you, cause it's going to come across differently based on your tone of voice and your stature period. True. You know, and that sort of self-awareness of how you carry yourself in a room. So as soon as someone sits down with you, I say, as I mentioned them the statistics I just told you, and then I also tell them how impressed I am that they're going to be there. Cause that is fucking true like if you are sitting in front of a trainer and you have those guts and you're nervous i'm nervous i'm nervous because you've already taken a big step i just had to show up to work mm -hmm. you know you came in here and you were like i have the guts to sit in front of a total stranger who i'm afraid of judging me who i fear is going to tell me things that i don't want to hear and who i fear is going to look down on me based on the fact that i haven't lived a life like them so right away if your utmost importance is how do i overcome the obstacle of my presence which sounds arrogant as hell but it's just in some scenarios, like when I, once again, when I go and sit in front of a financial advisor, I get nervous as hell because I'm not as good as my finances as I should be, you know, and you, you go through this. And when you realize they're not a nice Chad from some fraternity, they probably are, but they know, you know, how to talk to me. You're like, this is a good time. Like, I'm really excited about this. They listened to me. They understood the importance of this and what's important to me. And they are aligning 
their job with what my goals are. And now I'm, I'm attached to this person. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we cry. Sometimes we laugh. Sometimes I'm a super emotional dude. Um, and man, like you said, I, I just care. Like if someone's going to be paying me that much money, like you're going to hear from me. You're going to, you're going to feel love for me. I'm going to show up. I'm going to, like, I'm going to help you move. Like, it's- I, I mean, like, dude, I want to, if I'm going to spend, you know, 125 an hour, I want somebody who training is a part of who they are. And I think that a hundred percent, it's a healthy identity attachment that you have is like, I am a phenomenal trainer. And so it's like, I'm, you, you get something out of that when you obviously see them caring so much about like how you're coming at them and they're loving it. And they're like, you know, there's just a lot of, uh, I think fulfillment that you're getting when you have somebody who's really buying into you. I think that, that what you just said is, is great, um, advice for any young trainer is that you have to feel that way. You can't just convey information, you know, it's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, if you have, if you have all the information, you you know, in your head and you can tell everybody, you know, this is the best program to follow. This is exactly, you know, the biomechanics of, you know, every movement pattern that you have. This is exactly how you should be eating, blah, blah, blah. None of that matters if you don't have what you just said. You know, if, if you don't have the actual like love for people and actual desire to for the best for people, then it doesn't you will not unlock anybody's, you know, what's uh, the phrase we use a million times over in our business. Yeah. Uh, people don't know. People don't, don't. P- people don't care what you know until they know that you care. Exactly. No, totally. So and, and trainers, if you're a trainer out there, this is probably the most essential thing that I could tell anybody or any trainer is how you ask your questions how you get the details of who they are. And if you only have a legitimate offer and training, if you can backtrack and say, this is how I'm going to help this thing you told me you want to do. I did not come up with this for you. You didn't sit down with me and I said, this is what bad shape is. And this is how you look. And this is what I need to address those based on me. It's I asked the appropriate amount of questions to know what matters to you. I dug a little bit deeper to understand why that matters to you. Cause a lot of people say, this is a hard one to get out of a lot of people. I just want to be in better shape. What does that mean to you? Well, it means, okay, well, then I get the numbers out and it's like, okay, well, this actually means X, Y, and Z for you because this is how you said we get to five to eight, blah, blah, blah. But when you dig in deep to that and you can attach what they want and get them to have this reckoning with clarity about what they really are looking for, which you were talking about earlier and going, okay, it's not actually the result that's most important to me. It's feeling less this way about myself, right? you know, and you're going, well, great, this is what we're going to do. So you can physically feel less that way about yourself and make that happen. And the lessons that we want to help, help we apply through that um, based on our, your consistency or whatever. And if you can attach a, an emotionally driven goal to the work that you're going to do with someone, they will, they will ride or die for you. Right. Mm-hmm. They become you your know? biggest cheerleader. It, Absolutely. It, in that mm-hmm. first assessment phase, do you, do you uh, take the time to relate to current situations that they have going on? Cause like for me, when I've, when I've dealt with people in the past, um, you know, uncovering what they have going on personally. Like, let's say I was talking to Jeff and sure. Jeff, <laughs> Jeff's like, man, I've been trying to lose weight. And he's like, but I, uh, I have a problem with going into quick trip and eating the taquitos at quick trip. I do love the taquitos at quick trip. Quick trip I, is amazing. I, I don't also think like, like taquitos. Like, this is <laughs> there's something about quick trip in general. If you're yeah. from the Midwest, there's like, uh, Oh, it's definitely, a I habit. don't get it. I don't get it. Like it's there's habit. some love it's, for it. That's like, I, I look forward to going to quick trip. 
Like we were talking about finances earlier. If you had any idea how much I've been reprimanded for my quick trip budget. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah my wife, I think you once told me about this in a separate yeah, conversation. Wife, you're like, it's like 11 bucks a day, bro. You're like two energy drinks every morning. Yeah. Plus this. I have a list yeah. of things that I get yeah. My wife does the same thing. It's she a, it's she, habit, she monitors the credit card transactions. I like, I like choose not to go into quick trips. If I'm really trying to be on my game, like I don't even want to go in yeah. just because of the habit of like, I can grab hot food off a roller. But, and take yeah. a bite of it immediately. <laughs> Anyways, back to what I, sorry. Back to what I was saying, if I take the time to say, hey, dude, I understand what that's like. I also love taquitos. I also have had a problem with with grabbing things and not making time for myself in the morning, which basically opens people up to being like, oh, you're not just a a big muscle head. You're not you're not just a machine. I can I can see myself in you and I can see, you know, this person has some or you know, yeah. you talk to somebody who you're has relating kids. to me and I'm now understanding that it is possible yeah. for me to get you're, there. You're too. talking to somebody who has kids. Uh, you know, Hey, I have, I have three kids as well, you know? So like I can relate to you on that. And I feel like I have the same, um, I, we go through the same types of things. I've found that to be so valuable as far as getting people to like connect with you. Because if you, if you don't do that, if you don't have the humility to say, I'm going through the same things as you, a lot of times people are like, yeah, that's, you know, of course you can do that because yeah. look at you. you know yeah, a piece of every <laughs> single person that's in a spot where they don't want to be anymore. And they're talking to somebody who's in the spot where they want to be. Mm. They have to rationalize it to themselves. And so that's them continuing not to let go of the BS they've been telling themselves. Like, well, it's easy for you. I mean, look at you, genetics, and you're a guy. And the amount of women that have told me, well, you're a guy. And I'm like, well, I was chubby in second grade. So that, that is true. I'm like, I, I'm <laughs> like, you know, if you want to see my kids picks, I'm like, I'm just telling you, I never got the genetics card uh, when it comes to being thin. I can promise. So uh, when people shortchange your goals, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I would take that a step further on both these accounts. And sure. that would be relate to them in your head. And, but talk about what they would experience based on what you're experiencing so that they not only feel like, Oh, he's been there, but Oh, he understands, you know, because in reality, no, if I eat a shitload of taquitos, it's not going to be the same. I've been for me, I've been working out since I was 15, Mm -hmm. you know, I could probably eat and for a month poorly and not work out and be able to bounce back pretty quick. At least that's what they're probably thinking. They're already, you tell them I eat this and they're already starting to think like, well, it's different for me. Yeah, sure. Unless you can go in and say like, so when you're doing that, are you usually in a hurry? You know, are you, is that a matter of, um, do you really enjoy eating them or is it just like a, is it something that you get yourself when you're stressed out and like, what's the root cause? Yeah. To try and think about why do I do that? Yeah. And to me, it was always back when you and I used to talk about it, it was comfort and waking up in the morning to know I could get drop, stop and get something I look forward to as a part of my habit. You know, sure. I get to stop by QT every morning. A little tonight. reward every yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Hey, I woke up at five. <laughs> I'm going to go <laughs> by to make my quick trip, you yeah. know, stop. So it was a way to get my day started that there was like comfort food, you know, and, or with kids, mm. you know, well, you have three kids, you find it hard to even make time to watch like your Netflix show at night. Oh, mm. do you, do you even have energy to watch that show when you're done or you just want to sure. sit and stare, you know? So if someone, so someone asking you to take an hour out to actually do, do go do physical things probably seems pretty, you know, pretty ridiculous and pretty inconsiderate. And I, I, I try to refrain from saying I understand and more about and more try and relate to this is like the feeling that I've had that actually that I think they could be going through so that they have that moment. Once again, that reckoning with clarity that's going like, yeah, mm-hmm, right. Yeah, that is what it feels like, you know, mm-hmm. and all once again, that's another moment. And guys, once again, as I said earlier, 
just have to care about people and be honest. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, you're it's identifying so their feelings before they identify it for themselves. Oh my gosh. And like, that's, well, yeah. yeah. That's like, like, wait, like you're like, yeah, it wasn't my first time thinking of that. I've been thinking about that for a long time, actually. Okay, one of my, one of my favorite <laughs> you're, stories. You're, you're kind of their psychiatrist a little bit. Say, well, yeah, whole separate podcast. You know, just it's, be on it's, the, man, on the that is side of, of training. You cannot help it when, once again, if you're seeing someone even an hour a week, I can't tell you the last time I saw my best friend. Well, I can, um, because I miss her, but the last time like you ha- hang out, like you don't have that time to take time away from your family, friends, everything like that. You have to be one of the most important people in their lives because they're one of the most important people in their lives. And then you ask them to do something that they're uncomfortable with during that time. You f- freaking high. Like, yeah. that's, that, that's madness. Like, and we just expect them to adapt to it, you know? And if you start on a bad foot and this is what the other things that bothered me a lot about, like the, I was talking selling, you know, and, and bringing someone in and, uh, uh, bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. It's even worse when you just pass them to a random trainer. Oh yeah. You know, and now they have a bad taste in their mouth and now you're expecting this trainer who doesn't know anything about them, you know, to just work with them and get them there and hope that they can make up for it. I've seen it happen, but it just, you're the whole organization on that front. This is the hottest, places. this is the hottest topic. I'm so sorry to cut you off. Yeah, is no, there, it's all right. point to finish there? No, sorry. go for it. I'm rambling. Okay. Dylan worked for a great company in Woodside where they really care. Yes. He then worked at the Westport Foundation where he got to head the training department, mm-hmm. which was, you know, 100% based on everything that he's talking about values now wise. Mm-hmm. There was a time in your life where family mattered more and you needed to work and make more money. And so you went and worked for Genesis. Yes. Genesis, I feel like has a very different approach and this is not to dog on Genesis. It's what it is. I, once again, I'll be honest, you know, I, I, but I want to hear about the intricacies of, of, of the inside of the belly of that beast because they represent in my mind, the uh, in-person version of the online stuff that we don't like as a physical personal manifestation where it's like, we see them winning. Clearly yep. they got 400 gyms, but nobody seems to have a good taste in their mouth. A lot. Well, you're coming down to the way the business is operated, you know, and I won't say that Genesis does this, but I would say theoretically, if a company was to pay everybody after they got paid first, you're going to have to, you're going to have some obvious, some obvious clarity on what their values actually are. You know, we pay ourselves. You only get paid if we, um, if we get paid, you know, right off the bat, if that was the case, you're going, okay, so you're the one that matters, not us. You know, we, I'm not a contract person either. I think that they're nonsense. You know, if you're delivering a good product, you should, like I said, we built an incredible business at Woodside doing single sessions and just telling people this is what it was going to be. It's a flat rate, no contracts. You quit when I suck, you know, so that alone was a little bit off to me. Keeps your training department honest there too. It keeps them honest, keeps them on top of their shit. And it also, it was just such an easier way to organize things and I can't go to my doctor or my physical therapist and ask them to package something for a better rate. You know, we have to have some self-respect. So right off the bat you have, um, and Genesis is what it is. You know, I have nothing poor to say about it, but for if our listeners, hear, what is it? Genesis. What is Genesis? Yeah. I'm saying like the, the to me, the, it, it was reminiscent of the, I'm going to sit down with this person, sell them a package and then I'm going to pass them off. Yes. That felt, that felt very, Genesis to me. That is Genesis. So, and I would say corporate gym in general. It's not to truly pick on Genesis at all. It's no, just, it's, it's it's a corporate thing. Twenty four hours did it, and that was yeah. a big eye opener to me because Gold's you know, gym, you know, so on and so forth. I had never experienced the corporate level of training before, and it was made very clear to me from the um, upper management that I worked with that, like, no, this is how Lifetime does. This is how we do it. Right. You know, and I'm not. I'm 
they would, you would take someone and you look at that and you're like, okay, well, this is our salesman and these are their products as the trainers. And I mean, I, I have a lot of issues with it based on my own values, but you have to look at a business and go, what's their most valuable thing is selling the product. You know, it's not a matter of valuing the trainer. You know, it's not a matter of valuing the experience. It's a matter of valuing money. You know, how much can we get out of everybody and how many people can we, and how little can we pay in order to get that done? And the hardest thing about what we talk about with perception about Genesis is I know some incredible trainers there. Totally. You know, and that's the, that's the rub for me. It's like, I can't talk about managers and employees. There's some great, the, the, the couple of directors they have there are fantastic. Um, and that's my biggest issue with a lot of corporate gyms in general is as they start buying places out places to work as a trainer to make a good living are becoming less and less, you know? So if you want, and it's a hard job if you're serious about it, but if you go into a place and they're paying you X amount, um, you only way you're going to really retain is if you give someone a lifestyle that they can live on. And if you're only able to retain people that start, you know, when they're, you know, in their low twenties, you know, that you're, you're going to miss out on some talent and some really good leadership. So, my experience there, um, I'm not even going to say it was a bad one. It was just the polar opposite of how I would run a business. And they're, they seem fine with what they're doing. Obviously, as you said, they're winning. It's working. Um, it's it's wor- because they're buying a lot of things. And, uh, you know, they run and they, they operate it in a way. I'm trying to figure out a line that I can talk to there. The way they operate things makes it easy to do at the lowest cost possible. Right. You know, and, and that works, you know, and the expectations for corporate gyms anymore is so low because through COVID you had the rare breeds like Matt Carstetter, who is one of my close friends and I'm, I'll always be borderline obsessed with um, the work that he does and how hard he fought through COVID to still have businesses that are expanding afterwards. Um, But then you had um, the big corporate gyms, you know, like, like with money, backed up, you know, like Genesis. And once again, luckily really smart because through COVID they don't have a lot of expenses right? because they don't pay a lot to people, you know, unless they pay. Oh, they they were the first people to lay off everybody off, lay everybody off. But it worked for the business, right? It works for the business and that's what they needed to keep alive. So on the other end of that, you have at the end of COVID now everybody wants to sell their shit and all these gyms that aren't thriving and they're able to come in and say, well, we handled ourselves and we kept the business not only alive, but thriving. And now we're going to come in and we're going to buy all these out. So you buy a ton and this is really it. You buy way more than you have, than you are ready to. Yeah, Quality is going to suffer because yeah, you don't, line. you don't have the workforce. You don't you're have, you've not quality. developed the workforce. You don't have. The and every time they develop. do a takeover, they lose half the staff because people don't. Or wanna, all the staff. Or all of them. Yeah. You know, there's, I mean, I could talk about leadership and training all day and how much people struggle with that in general, but the. I've also seen such a, an incredible, I've, I've seen a matter of training leadership that I was so spoiled rotten to be a part of that when I go into these other places, it's just like, how, how are you guys doing right. this? You know, how right. are you guys allowing this to happen? Like there's, the standard is so low because it's, the standard is, can you sell? Right. And this isn't a Genesis thing. This is a corporate fitness thing. Can you sell? And if you can sell, we're going to let you keep going as opposed to if you give a great product, you won't have to sell. So when I went in there, it was to be a, like a development manager, basically to get gyms and get leadership inside those gyms to do what I, I did at Woodside and for, um, the foundation, which is no slouch of a project. I put together a team of 12 trainers there who eight of them are still training through the middle of COVID. 
in fitness. So it's, can you bring that here? I tried, you know, but that's more of a long-term goal. So if you want to come and you want to have like, God, you guys have the best community here, you know, with, with employees. So I've all, I look up to you guys a great deal, but you also invest in them. You you give them long-term ideas of what they can do, you know, here and moving forward. You pay well enough that, that they, they feel respected and appreciated and like they're part of something bigger in a place like that. And many of these corporate places, it's the only way you're going to be a part of something bigger is if you can give us the result. Now it's typical sales, right. It's just sales, man. And it's very, uh, it seems like very, uh, conditional. Oh yeah. And a lot of jobs are like that. Don't get me wrong, but that's just not me. You know, if you want me to come in and you want to change the culture of your training team long-term, I could turn that, I could have turned that business into something that down the road made a ton of money. Anything meaningful is going to take time. You know, and that's the thing. If, mm-hmm. if the only thing that means anything to you, it, it's, I get, I'm catching myself cause I have a lot of frustrations here because when you see something that could be so great right. that is held back by its own reverence towards what once worked. Right. Um, it's, it sucks. It sucks. You that's, know, we, that, we built our entire business <clears throat> off of that thought. Yeah. You, you think, that. you think, uh, you know, with, with the way that they do things, I, I always in my head, I'm, I'm, you know, and this is not just picking on them. There's, this is a lot of uh, businesses that have brought forward, um, old business practices into, you uh, know, there's a three letter th- supplement store that everybody knows. Yeah. Of. For example, that's you you think stuck um, in their ways. <laughs> that that <laughs> yeah. there would be enough uh, reviews and people getting tired because there's other options to make businesses like that kind of fall away, um, yet they continue to um, grow. And so I think you, I think and what do you think that attributes to Kyle? Because that's something that like I feel like they're the only business model left, truly, that yeah. I can think of, that I pay attention to. That I, has not truly been affected it, by this. In my opinion, it's uh, it's location, location, location. It's basically that w- when you have people, people typically are wanting to go to gyms that are the closest to them. It Most has convenient. to fit. It has to fit into their life. And when you um, basically arbitrage a, a city like that, um, and you take over all of these gyms where they're always they're all in convenient locations. And do they have a kids club? Yeah. Yes. Do they have a kids club? You know. So I think that is that is one of the unique things about gyms that you know you can kind of overcome the negatives that are associated with it as far as like, you know, cleanliness or maybe equipment not being put together, you know, all the time, or, you know, the training staff being overly salesy or, or maybe disconnected. You can kind of overcome that because people are like, yeah, but it is in my neighborhood. You know what I'm like saying? We were just talking about Planet Fitness. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what Kyle's getting at is, you know, years and years ago um, when we were changing our business model, when I first started working at Supplement Superstores, we just did things very different. And it was not, um, we did educate still. It was all very good, but we just did not care nearly as much about the customer experience. And so when we made this change, you know, um, Andy Frisella um, was, you know, one's the person, see, you know, head of everything we did. And Andy's like, guys, the only way we can do things from here on out is by doing it the absolute best, with the best service, with the best intent, because we can't, you can't hide in business anymore. If you were doing anything that has short-term validation to it, it gets um, put on the internet. It's going to be put on the internet now. And so like now, you know, and there was a, there's a, a whole book called what would Google do that we all had to read. Uh, Jeff Jarvis, I believe is, is the author. And um, it's about, he, he had a horrendous experience 
um, on a, on an airline and he wrote a blog about it. And at the time he was a really, really, really famous blogger. And it genuinely changed the way that this airline did business because of his terrible experience. And he's like, that, 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 that airline was forced to change how they did things because they could no longer get away with the bullshit that they were doing. And so, uh, you know, cars, you know, like dude, buying a car is very, way easier than it used to be because there's just, if you have a negative experience, I can blow you up on Yelp, on Google, on Twitter, so on and so forth. And so if you have poor business practices, the word gets out and you can tell 2000 people in a second versus just telling your friends at the the next barbecue or PTA meeting or whatever it may be. So with that being said, it's amazing to me that these corporate gyms still are able to thrive in this environment because we all here, let me be very clear. I'm admit, I am a paying Genesis member for me, for my girlfriend, because it is the most convenient. Yep. It's the closest gym to my house and it is, and they have enough locations to where we can go there on a weekend and use the kids club and it's the closest to our house. So when you look at like, once again, the 24 hour fitness closes shutdowns and bankruptcy here in Kansas city was a huge opportunity for Genesis and Rodney. And then you have, and he took advantage of, it. you know, he, he did, which is a really smart move, came in, bought them, turned them into Genesis. Um, so immediately though, all right, off of a purchase like that, you have a company that's coming out of Wichita. And if you've ever been to the Wichita clubs, they're pretty freaking fantastic. Grew up going there. Yeah. I mean, they're, on, I think they're on all rock great. road. Yeah. Yeah. So I had, I had the opportunity to go down there and meet some of them. And I, I, um, some of those gyms and some of these things that he's putting together are fantastic. Yeah. When you come into a place and you're hoping that you're saying like, all right, we're going to bring in our business. We're going to buy it out and we're just going to hope everybody stays if we don't change too much. And that's just not going to happen one. So then you have to find people within your company to replace right off the bat. I think it was 14 plus gyms here in Kansas city. Like, okay, well how do we find 14 people to manage train, manage the trainers and do X, Y, and Z. And you're going, okay, well, we have to run off of a skeleton crew here you know, because we don't have the workforce and we're going to put a lot of amateurs in that position and then expansion after expansion after expansion. That sounds like a nightmare knowing yeah. what I know about business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I think they simplify it by making their business more simple. Like what I would want to do if it's I want more like, boilerplate, yeah, it's, it's like, it's, this is what we do. This is the, the systems that we have. And uh-huh. here's how we operate on the least amount on the smallest amount of staff and the, and, and whatever else to make this at least, um, a, you know, decent, but you also have, you know, you have ownership who, if you were to, if you were to post something or put him on, on notice about a broken urinal about a place, he would be on that manager's ass that day. He is really passionate about it. Um, it's the fact that it goes up this chain link of, of people that might be relatively amateur or might just not be as passionate about it. Um, or once again, if you're not getting paid a salary, those little things are not going to I don't care the sales. Yeah, point. yeah, like right. I'm here to sell stuff. I don't yeah. care if the, the toilet's broken. I'm yeah. sorry. I don't totally. get paid off retention. Yeah, right. You know, so they they know how to scale based on how on needing as little as possible. And that's what I think people feel the most is one, well where else are you going to go? Two, um if we scale this in a way that requires the least amount of help from an employee standpoint as possible, you know, you're not going to get a very upstanding experience, but you're going to get a gym and you're going to get something that operates. Um, cause as I said, a lot of people there are trying to do the great work. You know, a lot of the employees that really believe in the expansion so that they keep doing and they offer great vertical mobility for great salespeople. Right. Um, but you have, that's, that is a, you when have you, to play. When you incentivize sales to such a high degree where I know it's like, you know, 15, 15th and you know, the mid month and then at the end of the month or like closeout date. Yeah. Right. Yeah. God. 
There it is. So it's like your face. <laughs> well, dude, it's just um, that's when you start, you know, and you heavily, heavily incentivize how people get paid based on that. You start really getting some questionable behavior from people. And so yeah. we've had people like try to cancel their membership and pay the hundred dollars because they used to not be able to cancel. Right. Yeah. But then they're like, ah, oh, you know, I can't find the manager. We're going to need a manager to do that. You're going to have to come back because it's the 15th. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> You know, like you don't really want to cancel today, do you? Well, like, I gotta come yeah. back, or I got to go to this other gym that I originally signed up at, like yeah. make it as hard as you can, and right. I got to give. Um, and it's just like, dude, what are we doing here? Like, why, why you got to make it so difficult for me to just simply move on? You well, know? that comes back to contracts. It's like if someone wants to train with me and they change their mind about that money next week, like, but I've held them to a contract. If your if your business, and I can only really speak on the Spingland training. Sure. If your training business, it is necessary to put people on temporary contracts to have it to be accountable for money. Your training system sucks. Like it's your trainer should be able to to budget out what they want to do based on who they are getting on and have a pretty decent retention rate if they're doing their job and if they're honest from things up front. But when you give someone that contract, you know you're saying like well, we're going to build a long term business off of three month contracts. It's like well you're going to have a lot of you know, you're going to have a, you're going to need a lot of new business walking through the door. You're going to need to be doing a lot of conversions or you're going to have to have people that are so darn good right. that at the end that's of that three key. months. And that's the key, but they're and selling I, but, that. But the amateur is what you're talking about. And mm-hmm. so the only way you keep somebody when you have amateurs working is contracts. Yeah. Right. Because the product, 100%. the product's not there. And so like, we're like, Hey, like we're buying you having to go through these growing pains with us. But man, here's, here's what would be, this is what a lot of like, this is once again, so common in corporate training. But if you looked at these corporate training environments and said, well, this is just once again reverence. This is how things happen. This is, this is, we're not going to get over it. Okay, well, actually I'm going to go in and I'm going to show trainers and develop them in a way where they understand this is what you could do with your long-term business. You're good enough at this. You're focused on building relationships. We've created um, an environment that people are excited to come to, which is possible. When people say you can't teach people skills, I think that is BS. Mm-hmm. I do a hundred percent can if you've, if if you've ever been through it, you know, customer service jobs are probably the best ones that I had that made me a good personal trainer, which not a lot of people believe, mm-hmm. but what made you a good personal trainer? Oh, I did a lot of customer service work. <laughs> I know how to take care of people, but you teach trainers to do what they do and do it well, to build relationships, to be honest and to be hardworking. You will have a reliable business that will grow because when you're turning new members like that, so or um, new business, you're never going to grow. Retention is necessary for growth. And it's mind blowing. Like you'll have these big, (laughs) this one fires me up. You should never have a month that's like $150,000. And then another one that's like 50, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're setting yourself up for, for, you should have a pretty solid baseline for the most part of just like, well, on average, you know, we're producing about 125 per month, you know, give or take based on who's in and out of town because we sell, because we very rarely need new client conversions we're taking care of our clients. Even when somebody is out of town, you know, we're able to, you know, pull that in or we're able to make a budget out of it. It's just not, you're not even asking the trainers to think ahead. And I know scaling like that sounds hard, but I think we just make it that way because doing the same thing over and over is easy and it holds those things back. So this is where it really bothers me at like a core level. And that is just this. We are a local fitness podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, we are really, 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 we really value community. And bringing people together that, that would like to push other people to, to progress in a way that makes them feel good about themselves every day. Right. That is something that I feel passionate about. And so then I, I've gone to many gyms. My first gym I ever went to in Kansas city was, was world gym. My second gym was one life. 
Sure. Well, they're both Genesis now. So, yeah, uh, Miriam, Miriam, uh, Genesis off Shawnee Mission Parkway was a world gym. And that was me and Kyle. We, right. we walked in there. It was our first gym we ever went to. And cool. dude, that culture there is still pretty good. Because of how well that they gym still get the front desk lady. They do. Nice. Lene. Lene. I think her name's Lene. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, She's unique. sassy. Very sassy. Gave me some sass recently. <laughs> uh, I didn't have my key tag on me. She's like, "Well, here's what you're gonna do." And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> I'm like, that's a good start." Yeah. Um, so, anywho, like uh, those two gyms were the gyms I went to, and like the community was really strong. And like, dude, I loved my time at One Life, and I, I really, really loved the people that worked there. And um, I, mel- I built a great community with all those people. And dude, I went in there the other day. I went in there on a Saturday morning, or maybe I'm sorry, it was like a, a Tuesday at 9 a.m. I went in there and I had to take a video. I took a video walking around because it was empty. There was 14 total people in the entire gym at, a nine, at 9 a.m. in the middle, start before Memorial Day weekend at, at the most popular downtown gym you could possibly imagine. And I'm like, this place used to be crawling with people. And there was two employees working and the lights were off in the manager offices, all three of them, just pure dark at 9 a.m. on a Tuesday um, in May. And I'm just like looking around just like, dude, this place once was so different. And I just looked around and I'm just like, this is why I hate corporate fitness. Like this is a tangible, palpable example of like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to lift here. This isn't fun. There's no, no community not. here. And no, yeah, it's felt, it's felt so uncomfortable. That's all I got to say. One Life is a corporate. No doubt. And my point is, is that they build a facility and here's what people like. Mm-hmm. It was clean. You know, people were friendly. Yeah. You know, you have a staff that was paid. Super low you know, turnover. Yes, yeah, super low turnover. It, it, the community was based off of the experience that people got. Once again, bringing it back to the features are important. You know, and I remember it's actually one of the, one of my least favorite things that a piece of ice everyone ever told me is that the benefit is all the people care about. And this is from one of my former colleagues there. And I was just sitting there. And I'm like, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but that's pretty low budget. It was like, also like, just like, derived from you and your sales process. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, that's okay, all they care about the, the benefit, the, but I'm going to tell you buying. Yeah. You want to, the features inside of, a, of something is what gives you an experience and people want to experience something. So imagine that you already have this, bad taste in your mouth. So you're already nervous about going to a gym. All right. Then the place that you go and you join makes you feel uncomfortable because of the way they sell you, you know, or because of the way the trainer tries to sell you. And now you have this discomfort with having to see the, those people in a place that you're already uncomfortable with. And the whole experience is now tainted when you're supposed to go in there feeling like this is a cool place for me to be. I love going there. I love seeing my people. No, you don't, you know, or especially if you're not letting them out of their contracts or, or anything like that, which I know we're pretty standard for gyms, but the way that they handle those things and the amount of frustration you can feel from people who want to be treated with respect is, is ridiculous. And that's where it comes back to, you know, how do you thrive? If we come back to what you said about like, well, what do you mean by success? If I was going to look at success in the way I do, which is not always fiscal, which is to my own, um, uh, which hurts me sometimes it's, do the people feel good and are they feeling, are they feeling positive and having a good experience where you are, you know, and if that is happening, you're probably profiting more, right? You know, because those generally go hand in hand when it's only one or the other, it's, it's, you're going to, that, that facility will lose. So even from a membership standpoint, you look at that and you say like, okay, so we have 20 facilities that are kicking ass and these other ones are just hitting baseline it's still worth it to keep those other places open because you're still cutting out competition. Right. You know, so 
And the accessibility variable. And the accessibility variable. Yeah. So, so there's no care. Like they, we don't, if it's dirty, whatever, you know, one life clean as hell. Right. So clean staff friendly people had been there for years, you know? Right. So you had immediately that friendly feeling when you walked in and then you had all these people that had belonged there for years who felt respected by the facility itself. And then you expect to come in and offer and basically turn everything around um, and cheapen it. And increase the price. And increase the price. And the thing is, when you <laughs> when you make an acquisition like that, people are going to complain no matter what because it's change. No doubt. Period. No doubt. So when you Can't come in, that. when you come in, and this is what's wild about it because you would think, oh, I could ramble about this. My gosh. If you make an acquisition, people are going to doubt you. They're going to be upset. They're not going to want to change over to the new business unless you bring something above and beyond what the previous business was doing. And there's no effort to do that. So it's like, well, we own this now. Go on about your business. Like, no, you own this, but now you have to up the ante on what was offered here before. Otherwise, no one's going to, you have to do more when you acquire. You have to, you, you have to bring and they, and something I, better. I, and I got to give them credit on this because like whenever they took over that world gym and Miriam, um, you know, the carpet looked like it was out of a casino from the seventies. Um, you know, it was just like, it, it was they did a dump a bunch of money into it. They dumped a ton yeah, of money. They didn't, they didn't overland. They do in a lot of the facilities. What they just yeah. did in Ridgeview is spectacular. What they just did in Overland oh, Park gosh. is spectacular. Ridgeview looks great. So you I got to give them credit in the sense of like, they do make a, a massive amount of improvements to the, to some of the clubs. There are certain ones that they mark as like, we need to improve this club. And there's ones like one life that they just threw some purple paint on something. And it's like, I don't even know if they did. They did I don't that. know if they did that. Yeah. yeah they they so, changed the logos on the weights. So you're going to see it. some of that, especially when you're acquiring something at such a fast rate. So even take one of those facilities that they've done these amazing things for. You have to be the kind of member that just wants to check in and check out. Right. You know, you can't be the kind that's going there, you know, and, and I, know, I know some great trainers that have these little communities of themselves, but no one's ever excited in this region to say they belong to Genesis. I don't disagree with that. Yeah. You know, no one's like, man, I, I, this is where I love going. It's like, yeah, I belong here. This was yeah. available. When you say, when someone says they belong to Woodside, they, it, they're packed, you know, they feel good. It comes from the top because the people that work there take yep. a lot of pride in it. People that own it take a lot of pride in it. And it shows in the way that they keep, they take care of the club. You know, I think it all pours into it, right? You want to be around a community where people are proud to be a part of that community. So here's something that, that Genesis does well and is it's very general. When I think about all these local businesses that we have, you know, these gyms that I love, each one of them stands for a little bit of something, you know, and you can feel that. And when you stand for something, it is much harder to scale on a large level. Totally. You know, when you just stand for, we have gym equipment here and some people checking you in, you're like, okay, well, it doesn't really matter what we stand for because all we stand for is that you have a place to exercise. Yeah, there's no culture. There's, there's no, no culture. We're not looking for a culture. We're just giving people a place to come in here. And once again, with 60 plus facilities, it's probably not like that everywhere at all. Oh, but, totally. There's some great spots. Yeah, like yeah, I said, so, I think that the Merriam one, for example, I think still has a phenomenal culture because the people that have been working out there have been working out there for years and years and yeah. years and they all know each other. Everybody knows each other by name and it's still great culture. I just don't think it's driven from the, from the top down. No, no. And, and, and that was already, you know, that was lucky enough to stay there. When you go into like a, uh, for example, you have an experience and a stance at a flex. You have the same thing at the foundation. You have, um, these boutique gyms like your city gym down on, um, in Waldo that has a definitely a platform that they stand on. You have, yeah. um, we got element fitness, element fitness. Yeah, got, yeah. You know, we've got the body shop. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's so many that we can name off barbell club. I mean, you, well, once yeah, again, they, they all club. have conviction mm -hmm. and that's where I think when I, when I consider like right now, while Matt Carcer has been finishing the foundational Latha cause I'll have childcare, 
I'm super excited about. Yeah. And it's my favorite gym I've ever been to. Um, you know, I, I even down at, you know, Chiefs Fit, which is, <laughs> which to its defense, you go down there and you don't want to have a community with anybody. That is a cool place to work out. If you just want to put your hat real low, because sometimes I don't go to flex just because I don't want to talk to people. Right. You know, and or some of these more local places because there is community there. Totally. You know, so sometimes you not get it in and get it out. Yeah, I just want to get in and get out. And and that so when I say like those those places do that fine. They give they they develop it, but the local businesses, and especially with people like us who who love fitness and who love the culture, you can actually find a facility and people that work there that are your people right you know like there's there's yeah, you uh, find your tribe very easily you know and and well heck even like we were talking about social media earlier it's you can find our people so much easier these days you don't have to go to a genesis you know unless you want the convenience of it so jeff your community of convenience is just a bunch of people there to be convenient mm-hmm. you know sometimes you go out of your way i saw you at the foundation for that thing and it's like everybody knows you there too you know you're a man about town here so you know where those communities are. You support all of them. And Genesis, Chiefs Fit, Lifetime, those com- are communities of people that just want to check in and check out and for, and have convenience. And that's fine. Yeah, it, it supports that's their fine. lifestyle, and that's you totally know, fine, yeah. I think when we talk about it, we talk about such a, um, from such a passionate level, because we're passionate about this. You know, the general audiences are fine with Genesis and Lifetime. And whatever else, because they, they just, don't think too much. They don't about think it. as much about well, it. Like, yeah, like, I just how many more people? And, and this is something we can never measure. And it's and it's just my own personal belief. And there's no facts to about to back this. I don't think. Um, but it's if you have, like I said, the the community that we're talking about, and the culture, and people that want to be there. Um, how many of these people that were buying hope in the beginning stick with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus when they are part of us, they feel like a number or they're a part of the system. And so you're going to get me fired up again. And, the procedures, <laughs> and so you're just, you're not going to see as many people, like you were saying, it's just like someone got thrown to a trainer that didn't care. Maybe they were just unfortunate for, for everybody. They were just, you know, they needed some experience, needed some reps and uh, you know, they were, they burned this client. And so that client, we don't get to see them. And so we don't get them, we don't get to bring them into our community because their experience with fitness was very negative. And so it might take them a decade to decide, I want to try something again. And so that's what I feel. about the it. Bum- that is the bummer about it is like, you know, some, some of these people, if they have the bad experience at like a, you know, a place like that, it, it's not that they go to another gym. They're just done with fitness. No, that's true. They're, they're and, jaded. Yeah. yeah. And we we deal with this with our competitors, right? Yeah. When someone comes in our store, they have a wall 10 foot high because they got burned by a different store that oversold them a bunch of products they didn't need. And so now I don't have their trust right off the bat. I have to burn, I have to build that over time. You're so man, I've thought about exactly what you guys are talking about so many times. Cause mm-hmm. you're right. This is the experience I had here, or I had an experience with a trainer before, or I once belonged to a gym or whatever else. So I don't go to corporate gym or I don't go to gyms period. And then you have our local gyms, you know, that are great places with great people who really care they're also going to be the least approachable for someone who's just getting into it because they do have conviction and you have, and the people that are really passionate about it mm-hmm. are there. So there's a, mis- there's a misconception about where their best environment is. You know, you, you can be a number or you can be a person that we, that has a community that's going to support you and not judge you for being a part of it and probably actually celebrate you more. But the level of intensity you're talking to them might scare them off. Yeah. Yeah. You. you know, so you have, well, I go here and yeah, it didn't get me where I wanted to go. It didn't feel good. And then they never go back in. I also think that's the answer that some people just want to have. 
Right. You know, just like when we think about, um, we, we talked about the buying hope thing earlier yeah, yeah. and that's for sure. There's just a market of people that need to buy hope a couple times before they're going to take themselves serious because they have to make sure that they know for a fact that there really truly isn't a magic pill or a magic example. People also you know? just don't want to feel dumb. So they buy hope because they're like, yeah, we'll just try it out, you know, and they don't put it out there for people to know because they don't want to look, you know, a they knew they way. took the path of least resistance. Yeah. And so they're like, I'm just going to see for myself that this is not what it is, you know, before they make the decision that to actually try what, cause here's like the last thing I'll say on this because we're, we are now officially ranting uh, for too, too long. Uh, but it, it's like, um, you've, t- you talk to the most incredibly in shape people who've been lifting for years and you ask them what they eat and it's going to be the most boring shit. That's not true. Oh, you get my point. I'm saying that like the people that have done it for years and years and years, they're, they're, they're following a diet. It's like the diet they're eating is not going to surprise you. It's going to be like, yeah, I, I measure this. I, I eat six ounces of, of lean protein and, and, uh, you know, a fist size portion of carbs or two fist size portions of carbs, whatever, you know, I ate a box of gushers before I came here. I'm with you. That's no the longer you train, the more yeah. leniency yeah. you have with your diet. I don't disagree with any of what you're saying, Kyle or, I, I or just, Dylan. I just want to talk about the gushers. I'm not saying you're wrong or right. Gushers, yeah. Let's, yeah. let's be are, honest. Gushers are, that's pretty good, dude. Like that's, so a, good. that's a forgotten, that's so a forgotten fruit. You could start with that. It's in my pantry. I'm just saying. Next time I'll bring some. Dude, I'm usually not I'm, sure. I'm more of like a chocolate guy. I'm more of an M&M guy than a gusher guy, but Jeff, sorry for hijacking your statement. Go on. That's it. No, I was just saying Jeff that like, actually would love to <laughs> get in this conversation Kyle. more. <laughs> I mean, Kyle already ruined it. You know, it's like, yeah, there's an asterisk to this. You fuck. But when it co- <laughs> like, of course, yes, the more lanes you have, but I'm, the point I'm saying is that like when someone says like, how did you get here? It's like they didn't do the Mediterranean diet, then decided to do Atkins, then decided to. No one is saying that. It's like they, you know, like no one's trying to look like Jared from Subway. You know what I'm saying? Oh God! No. Oh Jesus Christ! You don't bring him God up. no! You know my point? Yeah, that's certainly that's not brutal. in prison. Yeah, but, I'm, I'm hearing you though. But all it's saying is that when people are following these plans, it's like the people have the physique that looks like they want. That person usually worked really hard for that physique, and it for was years. not because of doing a bunch of different hoax. It was all just doing exactly the most boring plan that they've heard of, which is like, yeah, yeah, delete lean protein, count it, count your macros, et cetera, and be consistent as shit with it. I, I had some young guys come up to me at Flex the last time I was working out there. And it's, you know, it's always a great compliment when some young man comes up and says, you know, like, oh, you know, like, and it's genuine because, you know, there's that typical gym bro compliment, just trying to get like you, bro. Right, right. It was not that. It was a genuine interest in how to do something. And I said, I have probably just been doing the same thing you've been, you're doing now first 14 years or more, you know, uh, I've been consistent, you know, I've never been, you know, I've fallen off, tried different things, but I've been into extra, I've been into fitness and lifting weights for since I was a teenager and I've been doing the same shit, you know, and beyond another thing that I want to say before I forget it is you mentioned earlier about people not wanting to be dumb. Trainers are the worst at that to where they're afraid that they're going to be seen for who they truly are based on the fact that they don't know something. So they duck out of things or they won't, they won't take advice or they won't listen unless they truly respect you and feel respected by you. And I think that members of gyms and potential clients are the same way. I truly believe that embracing ignorance is one of the most powerful things that you can do as a person Mm -hmm. and understanding it's okay that I don't know. Cause I'm never going to know if I don't embrace the fact that, that I am ignorant on these things or on this topic or humility, humility. Yeah. Yeah. 
I like to use the word ignorance on it because it's a, it's a word that everyone hates. Yeah. Like, Oh, I'm not ignorant. It's like, it's, it's okay. Like, like, like that's not what that word does not mean. You're stupid. Mm -hmm. It means that you don't know, you know, and it's okay not to know. Like no one's ever really a master at personal training. There's so much information out there, right? When you get Mm -hmm. the body down, you have to go and you have to like, after you get muscles and anatomy, you got to go learn about physics. When you learn about physics, you have to learn about the nervous system and, and all of this stuff. So it's like, then you have to learn about nutrition. Like mastering everything is a ridiculous idea. And, and to think that I could go and I could fix a car. I'm not a mechanic. I'm super ignorant about that, you know, but for some reason, because we have our bodies, we're ashamed to be ignorant about how it works. Right. Or we want to be like, I, well, I know what's going on with me. Oh, like, do you, you do, huh? Well then I'll, then I'll see you later. Let me save you a lot of time and money. Just go do that. Cause I'm not going to be your cheerleader. I'm not going to do this, 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 and this, you know, you can, you can find a lot of other ways to find accountability. Right. Um, ignorance, I think is just, a, it's a, it is such a powerful tool for progression. Mm-hmm. I mean, we train our bodies that way. When we do a new exercise or we add a new weight, you know, you go, I went up to 315 on my squat and my body doesn't know the difference between to, to my body. That's a brand new exercise. Even if I've been squatting my whole life, as soon as I add a new weight on that, it's going like, we don't know this mm-hmm. and everything can fall apart, but it's learning those things that progress you forward, both physically and mentally. And the body's man, <laughs> mentally, that's once it were, you know, ignorance, ignorance, ignorance. The mind is the most powerful thing because our bodies are not strong. We are 80% water. You know, we are very penetrable. <laughs> we are, we are not as tough as we think our mind is. So embracing our weaknesses of the mind is what's going to strengthen us as a whole. I got a really random question now. Yeah. What's the last book you read? Ooh, shoot. Um, what was the last book I read? It's been a while, Jeff. It's been a while. It's been a minute. You're saying you're a well-read guy. No, I'm not a well-read guy. Um, the last book I read was, wild, was it was called The Man Manual. I was going to say, it could be a cop answer. You could just be like, you know, uh, oh, I'm being you totally could, honest you could with just, you. A children's <laughs> book last night to my three and a half year old. My, my mother-in-law bought me a book called the man manual. Do you feel like I'm more of a man? Yes, of course. You're like, dude, I feel <laughs> Would you recommend the man it's, manual it's to all of us. Only if you're super Catholic. Uh, okay. <laughs> Otherwise avoid it. Like the plague. Really? It's not for you. Um, but that's something her and I should, but that was the last book I read and it's both concerning and inspiring at the same time. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Cause it's like, mm, I don't know about that one. We but. have, we have one more question. I asked everybody. You got anything else? One girl. Unless, no, no, no. Okay. Well, we usually ask every single person on the Protein Bros podcast if they had to pick one place in Kansas City to get barbecue, and you only get one. What's your go-to spot? Barbecue. Barbecue. And I was going to say we can you can switch to it like your favorite treat meal or whatever you know you want to use here. But I would say barbecue because it is cool that just recently I don't know if you guys saw, but Jason Sudeikis was just on Hot Ones and he gave his professional opinion on the KC barbecue tour on where he would go. So it was cool that he actually got our question. What did he What did he uh, say? He had uh, a great answer because he paid respect to uh, everybody by being like, I "Let me give get, mine first, because yeah. I don't want to copy Jason." Yeah, no, yeah, good sure. call, um, Arthur Bryant's. Okay. Oh, Arthur, Arthur Bryant. Yeah. It's a rare call. Luke's yeah. giving him some love. You're not allowed to make noise <laughs> over there. Luke, stop. 
Shut up, Luke. Shut up, Luke. <laughs> Arthur Bryant is, is a respectable answer from somebody who appreciates history. Yeah, that's where that Maybe is. Not flavor. It says more about you than I like barbecue. Yeah, that's true. That's a deeper statement. It's it's almost like when I hear somebody say that, they're like, I love Kansas City. Yeah, really. That's, that's what I, that's, you know? I, cause I thought about it and that's. It's the equivalent of saying, well, he's your favorite NBA player of all time and someone being like Michael Jordan. And you're like, no, all right. Can't really argue with you, but well, Arthur Bryant isn't Michael Jordan. That's extra. Michael Jordan is amazing. Well, Arthur and Bryant I, is it? Arthur Bryant is amazing, but I mean, I feel is like okay. I, th- I feel of, like o- 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 I feel like Casey Joe's would be the the Michael Jordan. Why is that? You think? Well, because Arthur Bryant is Scottie Pippen. Why is how is it? I it's mean, underappreciated, underpaid, and didn't get doesn't get the recognition that it deserves. See, I would argue because I'm not from here, and it was like the first place I'd heard of. Really? I swear to God. Arthur Bryant's and Joe's is like the one that because I grew up in Wichita yeah. and like if you're from Wichita you hear about Kansas City barbecue and it's always Joe's. See, I, I, I heard up. of Joe's as well because of the gas station aspect where it's like it's got to taste better. It's from a gas station. Yeah, I, I like right? that cheeseburgers like that. But I would say that Arthur Bryant's uh, I was told is like the original KC barbecue, so that's why it I is heard the original. It. And I tried it and I went to like the one that is downtown, yeah, off of 18th and Vine. Yeah, and uh, it was like pretty good. You know what I mean? Oh, like I, I, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't personally blown away and I should probably give it another chance. I probably only had it once. Well, it's, it's totally different than here's the other thing that's cool about saying Arthur Bryant's. It's not a traditional barbecue taste. It's vinegary. So it is, they do Carolina style. It's not ketchup based. Yeah. Or whatever. Like okay. it's, 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 ba- it's vinegar based. So you're also claiming a different, a more sophisticated barbecue palette. <laughs> hey, Julian Marquez was the other guy that said Arthur Bryant's, yeah. by the way, and he was dead serious. And he was like, well, are we talking barbecue? Are we talking barbecue sauce? Because he got really passionate there. And he's like, the meat is totally separate from the flavor of the meat. No, I agree with that. From the sauce but I'm ta- I just combined them both. Same, yeah. same. You know, so it's just like you have to have both to offer. Um, however, I also believe that barbecue is a delivery method for sauce. True. Much like pasta is like, who cares until you put sauce on it. Right. So, so I, got, that's valid. So you got a uh, Jason Sudeikis was on his tour. I think I'm, I'm probably going to quote some of these wrong, but he went around. What made him unique is that he mentioned. Uh, I think he said like, you know, I like to get I'd get ribs from you know Casey Joe's. I'd get uh, brisket from 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 Q39. I'd get um, burnt ends from Gates. Was what I think he said. Wow. And I was like, what? But he threw Gates, Arthur Bryant's Q39. And uh, he had one more. Maybe he was just making stuff up. Man, I'm Gates like, is like, my least. But, uh, but he, but I think he actually might have said sauce and, uh, yeah, he said uh, sides. He said all the. That's an amazing shirt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joe Arthur Gates stack is his favorite barbecue. So he did mention all four, I think. So he did uh, mention uh, Jack Stack for sides, for all the sides. But anywho, that was Jack it, man. Jack Stack sides are unbelievable. I think yeah. Jack Stack in general is really good. They just, yeah, they, they kill good. it on the experience well, too. Well, and, and yeah, the experience there is good. I can't, I can't stand the Gates barbecue experience. I get super nervous. Bro, like, oh, hi, man, we, we talk about it all the time. Like, oh, okay, like yeah. You what do you can, want? Give me a minute. That was, I'm like, that was my first uh, Kansas City barbecue experience. Is like you walk in there. What do you want? And you're like. Uh, hurry up. Oh, hurry up. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Like, this is this is not the Midwest yeah. nice that I, I was looking forward to. Yeah, no, yeah. I, was, I, I was eating Gates barbecue sauce as a kid, though. Yeah, me too. We would, my dad would ship it. Yeah, you know what? And it's just, it was just available at our grocery store. But this, this is something I thought about. Sort of God, yeah. What, what's crazy is last thing I'll say on this barbecue thing that we talk about all the time. <laughs> what happened? 
why is it that, and since I've moved to Kansas City, I have not eaten one thing of KC Masterpiece barbecue sauce. What is but KC as a kid, Masterpiece? I, what is, see? What is, it was like the most popular barbecue sauce in the country. I actually think Casey Masterpiece is... Is it gone? Did did, did not like... It tastes Look just it like Sweet Baby Ray's. It's amazing. Yeah, dude, it tastes It's just awesome. sugar. It's but, just good. But I'm telling you... Is dude, Casey K- a name or is it the location? Dude, listen. Think. Casey Masterpiece was like made oh, by Kraft. Right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, it's, like, uh, it's like ketchup. Basically. It was literally the most popular barbecue so sauce So here's what's like cool as heck about this, though, is that that is nationally recognizing... Kansas what City. the best barbecue sauce is in the country. Otherwise, it'd be, you know, uh, Texas, masterpiece. Texas Masterpiece or sure. Memphis Masterpiece. But that is a statement right there that says if we're going to represent the best and lie about it, yeah. we're going to say we're from KC. <laughs> For sure. I just you don't know, understand. So that, there I'm, is some cool recognition. I don't there. know if I've ever even seen a bottle at the store. I'm so mind blown that, like, no one's ever used KC Masterpiece now that I live in You Kansas can City. walk into that any be, grocery yeah, store I mean, ever, imagine, like, and it's in there. Can you imagine but no one's not, going no one's to a had party in, in Kansas City and someone has, like, like KC Masterpiece yeah. out there? You're and just like, like, what well, are you it's, doing? It's, it's, uh, it's our home brand. It's yeah. our local KC Masterpiece. Go down, go down, Luke, to that one. The real deal. It says it right there. Go down. What's that guy? What's this guy? All the different types. They got bourbon. I like a sweet baby rays. I love a sweet baby rays. Dude, look at this though. Tangy habanero honey. Get out of here. I'd buy that tomorrow. Those are all my adjectives I like. Lord knows you would. <laughs> Those are you my know. buzzwords. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, dude, look at this. Look at this kettle cooked. Look at this gentleman. Look at him from the Wild West. Coming up with that coming up with that kettle cooked barbecue sauce. What's not to love? I don't know. Thick and rich. Is it good? Like Hannah likes her men. Thick and rich. That's oh my! <laughs> it's just hilarious, dude. It's thick no and rich sounds it. like a uh, like a country uh, like a country artist. band. Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. It's probably a great cover. Band I like right that now. the Arthur Bryan's is being sold mostly at the Ace Hardware. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be why. It might be because I'm able to go and get lumber. And and things for my house, and then oh, it's Arthur Bryant. So I'm taking this home with me. They yeah. they know who they're selling to. All right. On a real note, Dylan, dude, such an awesome time sitting down with you. It's great to get to know you better. Yeah. And uh, appreciate all that you shared. Um, you want to get awesome hey, episode? Yeah. Send out your uh, your handle. So on Instagram, yeah. tell people it. where for you the can... people that have found joy. Tell them where they can find you. <laughs> I will. Thank you guys very much for having me. This was a great time, and I'll come back sometime. Yeah, look forward to it. You, sure, you want to have an option? I'll just walk in here at two p.m. on a Thursday. Yeah, <laughs> See who you're can't be giving to. away or can't be giving away record time, <laughs> Come bro. on, man. Come on. Sorry, I didn't no, know. No, no. No. <laughs> Where can they find you? Um, Crowns at Crown City Trainer on Instagram. You on the TikToks yet? I tried, but it was. Who was I talking about the trend thing with? Not me. That was me. You weren't here. Yeah. So I couldn't. Trends speak, all over the TikToks, and it got to me so bad. That I just couldn't deal with it anymore. You gonna it take was, the was, uh, steal a Hyundai challenge? What's that? That's on TikTok. They steal a Hyundai. You, there was a way for people to steal Kias and Hyundais. It became a mass thing. Over a thousand th- car thefts in St. Louis alone on off of this TikTok trend of a challenge of like how to like hotwire a Kia or a Hyundai. And they legitimately, my sister's car was <gasps> stolen twice. Hyundai Elantra. Uh, I mean, I don't know what years they were, but it was a certain year to a certain era. You could just easily steal a Hyundai or a Kia. To the point where Hyundai hmm. and Kia I think had that's to provide, on YouTube. Uh, the like, what are they called? Like the the club, they're giving away the club in Kansas City for anybody who owns a Kia or a Hyundai. They're just giving it away. What is happening? Like, yeah. thank you, you know, TikTok. Get, like, like, like and, and like what we were talking about when I came in was was or when you right before you came in was 
somehow the most like you see all these posts on there. It's just like trend this, trend that, trend this, trend that. And it's like, that'd be like a, like a rapper back in the day just being like heroin, period. Yeah. There's no entry level. It's all the hardest thing you can possibly find. Here we go. Yeah, it that's is a, club a little picture like from the Kansas uh, City Police Department. That's nice. That's it says, nice. Starting club. today, we have free steering wheel locks for Kia and Hyundai owners. So on, on that note, I want to finish this statement. Kids, don't do trend. <laughs> don't, I don't care how much these guys on Instagram are telling you that it's like the cool thing and you have the guys that are going in on trend together. Oh, do yikes. not do it. Do trend? not do it. Trend is not okay. It's toxic. And and unless you are a bodybuilder who is like a true competing bodybuilder, you have no need for it. Just, just stop. And, and don't, just don't. Just chill out and lift it some is, weights. It's, you it's don't poison. need trend. It's poison. And I'm, I just don't. Yeah. The TikTok guys, even if they look good, man, especially, oh, God, just stop. Jeff, stay away from the trend. Luke? I'll, I'll do my Luke? Best. Luke. No, Luke looks ripe. He's ready. <laughs> <laughs> I basically, like, like I, I think I think you'd be fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, man, once again, we appreciate you. Thanks, buddy, We're for signing. coming on, man. See you all next week. See you guys. <laughs>